Hello, friends. Welcome back after a break for the holidays. Today's episode is going to be a little different than usual, and you'll understand why in a minute. This is a conversation that I had with Derek Kroll. We recorded this a few days before Thanksgiving. Derek was known by many as the mayor of Rifle. He was originally from Poland and moved to the United States in the late 90s and spent the last 23 years living in Boulder, Colorado, climbing in Rifle Mountain Park every season. And in that time, he climbed more than 400 of Rifle's 503 routes. So he knew the canyon about as well as anybody. In recent years especially, Derek was very involved in taking care of the park. He was on the board of directors for the Rifle Climbing Coalition and coordinated the Rendezvous cleanup event that's hosted in Rifle every year. He was also the guy who knew everybody, that welcomed everyone, locals and visitors alike, and always had time to say hello, to get to know you, and to ask you how your project was going. If you didn't know Derek, or if you hadn't heard, Derek passed away just over a week ago. He was backcountry skiing near his home in Boulder and was killed in an avalanche on Saturday, December 26th, the day after Christmas. Derek had recently turned 57 years old, and as you'll hear in the interview, he was full of life and energy. This is a really special conversation, and I am so grateful that we got a chance to have it. If you knew Derek, you will remember that he was quite the talker and that once you got him going, he could go on seemingly forever. And this conversation was no different. It is one of the longest conversations I've ever recorded for the podcast, which seems totally appropriate. I had actually planned on shortening this one, but after listening back through it, I decided to release the whole thing. It felt to me like to leave anything out would be to leave out part of who Derek was. And I couldn't bring myself to do that. So this is a completely uncut conversation. Listen to as much of it as you like, even if you only have 20 minutes to listen today. I think it will be 20 minutes very well spent. Derek was thoughtful and articulate, full of insight, and great at telling stories. He was truly delightful to talk to. Derek is survived by his wife, Anita, and his daughter, Nina. Similar to Derek, they are among the kindest and most welcoming people I have ever met, and my heart goes out to them. There is a GoFundMe going on right now for them as a memorial fund. If you feel called to donate to that, you can find a link in the show notes, and it should show up right there in your podcast player. It has already reached the original fundraising goal, but going above and beyond certainly doesn't hurt during hard times. Derek was a truly special human being. He was well-loved by his family, by his community, and he will be sorely missed. I think we'll skip the intro music today and just go straight into the interview. 
This is one of my most treasured conversations, and I hope you enjoy it. Here's Derek. <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate yeah. it, man. No, it's all good. You're doing a great job. All right. You're going to have to hold this. Yeah. And uh, about a hand's width away. Like this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's it's forgiving. Like a few inches from, from Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. I think that sounds great. Um, I've been on the stage in my life, so... so <laughs> what's that? I'm not the microphone shy because I've been in, on the stage... Oh, yeah. ...in some parts of my life... <laughs> speaking to crowds <laughs> <laughs> well that's as good a place to start as any you just told me we just had dinner thank you by the way oh, it was amazing welcome. i feel so spoiled <clears throat> drinking wine just had an amazing yeah, dessert hey sharing is caring <laughs> and you told me so many good stories the whole time we were eating dinner i was like damn i wish we were recording right now um but i'd love to start with poland i'd love to start with uh how you discovered climbing you've been climbing for 40 years i just learned that yeah this year is um yeah, 40th anniversary of, of me being, you know, going crazy with, with rock climbing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a trip uh, for sure. Um, so I discovered rock climbing through just mountaineering and, mm. you know, came to a camp with my friends. I mean, we, we went to this amazing place in the southern Poland, just not, not far from the Slovakian border, Tatra Mountains, um, you know, it's part of Car Car uh, Carpathian uh, mountains, and they look kind of like mini Alps. Okay. They're much smaller, but beautiful granite range of you know, I mean, sharp peaks and and beautiful granite walls. Um, How old are you? I'm fifty-seven in a week. Okay, so you were seventeen at the time, give or take. I was give and take, yeah, about seventeen. I was still definitely in co in high school. Okay, and um, and I so we hiked. You know, you know, there is you no know, beautiful hikes. From, you know, uh, high hanging lakes and beautiful trails with views. Hmm. But on that trip, I actually saw people on the wall. Mm. So climbers uh, on one of the walls, and they were just you know high above the ground, and and that struck me. That was like this was so amazing. It was so cool. And on the way down from that hike, we stopped by a, um, like a mountain lodge. You know, it's, it's a very typical European thing that you when you hike to the high mountains, you have a you know building that serves you food, and you can actually stay there for a night. Mm. Uh, and usually that, that scenery and the ambience of those places is very unique. And then I saw friends from my hometown. Uh, from, you know, I'm from Eastern Poland, like a smaller, smaller city. Uh, I saw a few close friends who actually were taking a climbing course. Hmm. So back in the day in Poland, uh, to climb in those mountains, which is you know one of the biggest national parks in Poland, you had to have a certification that you actually know what you do huh. know how to climb the, the the walls okay so you have to go through an official course to get certified mm -hmm. and that was back in the day it's like i, I don't think it exists uh, anymore i mean people can go and climb you know on their own without any documents <laughs> but back in the day poland was a different country you know early 80s uh early 80s exactly yeah. like late 70s early 80s um so uh, I saw those guys and I was like, holy smoke, you know, you, you're my age, you're my friends, and you are going to do what these guys on the wall are doing? Like, <laughs> oh my God, I want that too. So, 
that's how it started. And then they actually introduced me to something that, you know, I had completely no idea, climbing like smaller rocks. So huh. it was not just mountaineering, big mountains, big walls, but, you know, there were just rocks that we, you could go and, you know, climb something shorter quickly. Um, so uh, I think it was 1980. Actually, it was a you know, kind of significant historical moment because Poland was going through uh, solidarity move, moves. You know, older people may actually remember what it was in Poland. Uh, so, you know, communist government was kind of crumbling to pieces and... Uh, there were just some some strikes uh, of bigger manufacturing plants, so actually the the whole country was shut down uh, because the nationalized railroads were striking. Okay. So there was no way to take a train, and we were on a kind of like on a trip on bikes. We were just trying to bike from like one area to one to another area. Bicycles. Bicycles. Yeah. Okay. I mean bicycles uh, and. One of those friends who actually was taking the course in the mountains was on that trip, and he had a rope, and he had uh, there was no harnesses back then. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely 1980, so no heart, no like you know hip harness. Mm -hmm. uh, he had something for the for the chest, like huh. chest harness, and so that was my first contact with like rock. And dude, I literally knew after my first climb that this was something I would be doing for like. For as long as I live, and uh, wow. yeah, I should actually make some, <laughs> wow. some posts, you know, somewhere because I have, <laughs> I have a picture of myself, uh, of you know, of from that trip, and and just such a ridiculous picture of me. Yes. So I'm in my whiteies. I want it. I'll share like, it. Like no, like because it was hot. It was the middle of the summer. Uh -huh. So like no, I didn't have any no good even close for that sport but yeah, it was they didn't hot make like so i was in my whiteies you know <laughs> <laughs> on the top rope with the rope actually under my armpits what? and that was that there was no harness so so you know and my body was oh belaying God. me basically using the the body you know belay the hip belay yeah there was no devices oh I mean, my not, not God. Really knew of and and yeah it was just you know the element of 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 the fight the challenge mm. you know you get on the route uh, that you know, you don't even know what the route means. I mean, what route? I mean, this is a piece of rock I'm climbing, right? <laughs> but it turned out that actually that that moment was kind of deciding for me uh, because I could not do that. You no, know, that route, particular route, which you know later on I I soloed it, you know, ropeless, <laughs> uh, and it was like maybe a fifth grade or something, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but. Uh, yeah, I have a picture of myself on it, and and uh, it's just I'm laughing. It's so ridiculous how how much that but that tells how much climbing changed, you know, mm -hmm. over the last forty years. Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, there is you know this whole sport called sport climbing, mm -hmm. where you don't even you know put any gear in the cracks and you don't do big walls. But you can just have fun on something quick and shorter, you know. Why well, not speaking about bouldering? You know yeah. that is even even easier yeah. these days. But um, yeah, forty years, man. That's <laughs> yeah. That makes you feel old. When we were wrapping up dinner, you started to tell me about a book, and I paused you because it was so interesting. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was afraid we wouldn't be able to replicate the conversation. So, how did how did the you you were describing that you were just so enthusiastic you were just absorbing all of the literature that you could find on mountaineering and mountain climbing and 
you know, everything and anything and everything. And you knew French at the time. So tell me about the Yes. Uh, Yeah, I actually studied something that is called, um, you know, philology, like French French, uh, or Romanesque languages philology. So basically literature and linguistics, Mm. but particularly of uh, languages like French, Spanish, you know, Italian. Uh, And actually I put up a route in Rifle that is called philology. Wow! Yeah, yeah, and on the, on the, on anti fill, uh-huh. what everything has to be you no know, named uh-huh. with a ph. Uh, I didn't know what that word meant. That's great. Philology. Yeah, I know that's the root. Sci- science about languages. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. So you know, yeah, it was such a different time uh, because you know I live in a place where there was no climbing. Mm-hmm. Climbing was far. Uh, I knew a few climbers, of course. You know, I knew of. People, you know, climbing big mountains like you know Himalayan peaks and such. I know, of course, Tatra mountains uh, already, but you wanted to absorb as much as you could. And there was no no training, no knowledge, no knowledge at all. There was no common knowledge how to train for climbing or what mm. to do for climbing or how to how to eat to be fit. Mm. Uh, there was really not much out there. The only thing you could get was literature about people who did already something in that sport. Um, so, of course, you know, I was I was collecting ridiculous books, you know, like I had a big like home library, um, anything related to, to rock climbing, even like fully fictional novels about <laughs> climbing and accidents and, and stuff. Um, but that particular bu- book I was talking about, um, yeah, you know, written, I think it was written in the late 50s, um, but now we, we would probably need to check. Um, so this was this is uh, um, Lionel Terre, uh, French, you no know, big big name of French in, in French history of climbing. Mm. Uh, the guy uh, did the first ascent of Annapurna, which was actually the first uh, hmm. peak of eight thousand meters ever Amazing. climbed by a human, uh, and they did it in the mid fifties, if I recall correctly. <laughs> Uh, with some oxygen, maybe, maybe I'm not even <laughs> sure if they were using oxygen. Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the, that was, and you know, it's an interesting story in itself. And they did the um, first ascent of Manaslu, and uh, another in, in Patagonia, Fitzroy. Oh wow! So you know, a guy who definitely was a name, big name. Yeah. And if you knew, if you knew something about rock climbing, you had to know that name. Hmm. But uh, like like Walter uh, Bonatti, you know, like hmm. most people probably know that name because of the many first ascents in the Alps. Um, but uh, Terry was actually you know also an accomplished climber, and. Uh, he only wrote one book uh, in French title is Le Conquérant de l'Unitile. <laughs> so the conqueror of the useless. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> of course, like, no, I remember what the book is about, but the, the title is most striking. Mm. Uh, I think that, that this title of that particular book is summarizing rock climbing <laughs> or any type of climbing even bouldering it doesn't matter uh-huh. you know it's a it's a it's a it's a philosophical term to me it's exactly you know what this light beaming somewhere you know for every human uh like what to do with your life hmm. 
yeah, do the useless stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it sounds paradoxical, you know, and 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 crazy, but to me that was the essence of of what I've been doing for the last forty years. I I clearly um, I have a full conscience that climbing is totally useless, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, it's the right thing to do. And it doesn't have to be rock climbing, by the way. Uh, I think it's just philosophically. It could be any activity of this type. Can you elaborate on that? Why, why do you feel that that is the the yeah, so, guiding light for um, most people? You know, because and actually, this discussion, you know, I had you not know, being probably back then, eighteen, nineteen year old, and I really had this discussion with my friends. Like, so why are we doing this? Like, what's what's really in it? For us, I mean, no one pays us money. We spend so much time, and it's costly, actually, and uh, it's actually crazy. So, by by the way, there's another kind of side of the story without my my first days of climbing, okay. uh, which we should probably get to this because <laughs> let's, that let's would do be it. yeah. Uh, however, so so okay, we travel for hours overnight, you know, to get to rocks, and we just discuss why are we doing all of this, you know, mm. and. Um, and to me, it was kind of like a really big, big discovery uh, of, of the eternal truth that, you know, what defines us as human beings is what we do beyond our biological needs. Mm. Uh, you know, one can argue that, you know, climbing might be a, also like a biological need, but no, I'm talking about what is really needed for every human, like everybody has a metabolism. And everybody has to eat. Everybody has, has to sleep. Mm. Uh, you know, you no know, sex. Uh, going to bathroom. Everybody has those needs, and everybody does something. But everything else outside of this, which actually makes you purely survive on this planet, everything else you do is really defining who you are mm. as a being. Um, so it was interesting that you know we find we found the answer in rock climbing uh because that's you know one big way to visit the planet the cool the, the climbing is actually to me is the coolest way i don't know of any other maybe there are but but how do you touch your planet you know <laughs> i mean we walk on we walk on it every day you know, but but I any like other way to like you know like hug our planet, you know, <laughs> here we are just touching with this. I mean, Mother Earth, you know, with our hands, we're hugging that Earth, you know, when we when we climb. So so this kind of like when when you think about it, like this becomes like oh my gosh, I'm doing this act of 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 love, you know, with that place that actually is hosting all of us. Hmm. This is our place. Uh, but how better to really, you know, experience uh, this this whole voyage, you know, through life with, with the place where we are. So climbing makes you go to cool places. This is, you know, one truth that anybody who thinking, hey, should I climb, should I not? No matter where you go, you're going to be in a cool place. Climbing is always in like those beautiful natural places. I mean, we're talking about the outdoor climbing, of course. <laughs> Even though the gym, some gym climb, mm. climbing gyms are amazing, 
mm-hmm. uh, architecturally. However, um, yeah, that my my you know looking for you know from the perspective of forty from forty years of doing this, I'm like, holy moly! I have been to so many cool places. Mm. I mean, I can't even list if I wanted, but you know, many countries. Uh, all types of climbs. Of course, you know, I, when I started, it was all trout climbing and big wall. Then I kind of migrated into, you know, sport climbing, bouldering, and now I'm I'm doing everything to the point that I'm actually back to dry tooling. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, that's really yeah, interesting. And ice climbing. Huh. Yeah, because it's like I just have all these buddies of mine who are, you know, doing this, and I, I look at their pictures and, and movies, <laughs> and I'm like amazing places oh my gosh just to just to go there that would be so fun huh. but of course if i go there i would like to do something but some ice falls or you know just routes um uh for, for dry tooling hmm. i mean even though you know I, i'm not a really convinced that dry tooling is a kind of, kind of the coolest way of of you know, conquering the rocks but um yeah it's 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 fun and and uh say with the same token you know it takes you to all these places. Uh, should probably sure. maybe, maybe get more light here. Sorry. No worries. No problem. Let me also. so where was i um climbing takes you to amazing places yeah to amazing places and so that's like really geographically this is this is i don't know i know of any other sport that actually would do it to you Hmm. i mean maybe you know i have friends who are bikers like like road bikers um and they did travel to bike but Nah, you know, like I'm not sure if this is this is the good comparison because, again, like you're on the road, mm-hmm. you bike, climb, mm-hmm. you go to to most likely natural place. Um, so so that is like one big aspect. The other one is the social aspect, mm. um, because climbing is is a very social. It's a very social sport. You cannot, you know, you can of course solo. All the time, but no matter what, you're gonna see other climbers. Somebody standing next to you, uh, somebody waiting until you're done, or somebody you meet on the on the summit. And mm-hmm. naturally, you're going to talk to those people. And uh, climbers are is, are a special breed to me. And again, I'm speaking of four years of looking at, at, at climbers and knowing climbing areas, and it's always the same. Climbers are very friendly. Hmm. That, that's the, that's that's like my my big finding that wherever you go, no matter what nationality you are, you know you, you meet, and you you might not speak the language, but you will always communicate with climbers. And it's funny that such a useless thing is a common denominator for for you know so many people. Hmm. And just you know, when you think about it, like rationally, it's it's really kind of a crazy occupation i mean really what you no one gets anything out of it you know <laughs> maybe people who climb professionally you know uh-huh. and treat it more like a, like work um 
that would be kind of making more sense. But of course, you know, someone who's not a climber would always ask the question, why do you do it? I mean, you know, mm -hmm. and very, very often we hear that question at the crag. You may have heard it like, hey, what, so why, why do you do this? What for? And um, I've certainly you know, asked myself that. Yeah, but very often that's just a joke. We just like say, <laughs> hey, they pay us doing? good money for this. You know? So like, you know, a dollar per, you know, per foot. <laughs> That would be Can awesome. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And uh, I mean, again, like philosophically speaking, uh, it looks like humanity is going in some kind of weird direction when uh, more and more people become uh, basically disposable. Like you know, people not being needed for anything. Hmm. You now people losing jobs and, you know, more and more jobs will be uh, technical and people have to be, will have to be trained. And those people will... You no, know, people who are you know not trained technically, and they they will not be able to find a job. Hmm. You know, they they might be a day when you know car driver or bus driver will not be needed, mm -hmm. right? And uh, so those people are not the uh, you know they don't have qualifications to do anything else because they you know never went to college or something. So what happens to those people, right? I mean, how do we take care of them? So would we just pay them for doing nothing like rock climbing? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just trying, I'm reading some books right now that actually kind of, you know, open those questions in my head. Yeah. And, and actually I'm looking like, well, we've been doing, you know, this sport for, for years. And of course, you no, know, it's usually for our own, own pleasure and our, some sort of satisfaction or fun. But... Very often, it's a source of, of you know, financial issues and and distress and and personal you know, dramas, uh, because you know you have a couple where you know husband is a climber and he, all he wants is to climb, 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 and the woman's like, oh my gosh, what do, when is the day when he stops doing that? <laughs> I think that many people can you know refer to that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I got to meet your partner Anita tonight, and I can confirm that she's not imaginary. I guess that's uh there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory going around rifle as to whether she truly exists or not. How do you navigate that with her? Uh, I mean, it was kind of part of the deal, you know. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, so, fair enough. So I, but when we met, I, I, I basically made clear that you know I knew that already about myself that this is not something that was just like drop. Mm. stop doing like this is something that 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 useless thing that actually defines me mm. so so i knew that you know it would be a very some some major earthquake that would actually take it away from me mm -hmm. or that interest so i said that well just be ready i'm not gonna stop this so don't expect that you know i climbed enough and now i can move to other other things mm -hmm. like you know maybe playing chess or something <laughs> um no, so so that was you know an, an agreement, and you know we've been climbing together for several years at first, and you know she enjoyed that part of climbing that he's you now traveling to different places and uh, interesting locations all over the world. Even though you now I I'm, I don't want to pretend that I have been you no know, to so many places. I've been to a lot of countries, but I haven't you know been everywhere yet, mm -hmm. at least. <laughs> um, um, but, uh, yeah, it was an agreement that kind of became, 
became a you know a um, what's the right word gosh gosh like a constant in our life you know that you know it's 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 a given thing i'll be climbing mm-hmm. when the weekend comes i probably be going somewhere so she needs to figure out what what to do you know <laughs> with that time mm-hmm. but at the same time you know we do a lot of stuff together like skiing and um you know uh hiking we actually do hike f- uh 14 years in Colorado. Okay. Yeah, we've been doing this quite a bit. Uh-huh. So you now there is there is a balance that you, you know. I think that you know many many climbers kind of go through this, like how to find that that equation, you know, where uh, everybody's happy mm. and everybody does by doing something that you're really after. Mm. You guys have been here for 23 years now. 23 years. Yep. Tell me about the one year trip. And how you ended up right. in America. So, so it turns out, so, so my wife was born in the States. So we okay. could be, you know, uh, no, legally in the United States, but we never planned immigration. Okay. That, that was kind of, no, it's, it's an interesting story. But uh, we first came here for one year and we bought tickets basically to go back home to Poland after one year and we thought one year will be enough to visit you know all cool places in North America so we started with uh, through Canada with, with Canada having some family there and our first des- first destination was Colorado like this is the center and and we know that there will be some climbers and again knowing that side of, of climbing that you know climbing is a social sport and it will be easy to meet people uh, even though we did, we barely spoke English at the time, <laughs> um, and we came with a two-year-old. Oh wow! To this country, yeah. So, but that was also also a good good moment uh, to do that because you no, know, she was not going to school. Mm. So it was good good uh, good year to actually travel so much. So, and we we were prepared basically to like be here for one year, and not work, and just 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 play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and partially that's what happened, you know. So. During that first year, we have visited so many climbing areas and skiing areas that um, later on, I was actually showing some slides to friends that I met later in, here in Boulder. And uh, I was just showing them all the places where I've been climbing since we moved to, to the States. And they were like, oh my God, we live in this country since we, we, we were born here, you know, but we've never been to all these places. <laughs> yeah. So that was a, you know, a fun trip. But after, after one, that one year, after, you know, going to so many cool places, we were like, hmm, this is really good vacation. How about we extend it by another year? <laughs> well, we can, right? I mean, so we have to pick up some jobs, but, but um, we actually did extend it to another year. And then before we knew it, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, we've been here for five years already and we bought the house and, and, and here we are. <laughs> and yeah, if you, yeah, we talked about it earlier, but you know, it's, it's been a trip because, you know, how come, you know, one day when I was just climbing some rocks in Poland, you know, and rock in Poland is made basically like this, mainly the limestone in Poland is uh, looking kind of like Frankenjura in Germany. Mm. So white limestone with uh, a lot of pockets a lot okay. of monos actually mm. so if you cannot pull on a mono well you cannot do well mm. um, on any like harder climbs because there is always some some move of, of a single finger mm-hmm. um, so 
Um, I'm losing my track. <laughs> you want me to cut it out? That's okay. Um, <clears throat> You're talking about... Um, you said it's a trip because you had been here for 23 years and then you went back to Poland. Oh, yes. Uh, no, but I wanted to... Why, why Were you I coming just... back to Rifle maybe? Or? Yeah, no, no. I, when I was going to tell you about the, the type of rock. Uh, because, oh, gosh. Uh, well, I mean, no matter what. Okay, so I, I was just mentioning that, you know, being being back, there, back then in Poland, um, climbing this very kind of unique type of rock, um, just... I would never imagine that one day I'll be actually living in rifle, climbing steep, steep stuff, mm. and not just being climb, climb a climber in that specific area, but I'll be the guy organizing, you know, annual festivals. <laughs> I mean, this would be the the weirdest joke if someone had ever told me that back then. I would hmm. be like, I didn't speak English. I have, I'm not, I don't have an intention to even live in the United States. And, you know, it's interesting how life goes and how it can turn, mm. you know, and, yeah, the least expected directions. What's really interesting, though, is, you know, from our conversation over dinner, it does seem that you've kind of lived these two parallel paths, paths though. You had um, your trajectory through climbing and then what that led to as far as your involvement in that community in Poland is very parallel to how that's turned out here in the States. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Um, so maybe, I'm, I guess I say that to to point out that it must be something about you, something about um, a drive that you have or an interest you have in becoming more involved in, in the community and what's going on than merely climbing for your, you know, for, for yourself. And right. I'd love to hear about the... Uh, the magazine and then you know we started this conversation by talking about you being comfortable with a microphone and yeah. i'd love to hear about uh the climbing competition at okay. the arena okay. as well oh, totally. so yeah you you owned a magazine in poland no well i owned one uh but i worked for actually i worked for another one okay um yeah but that parallel i mean yeah it, it's totally justified because you know first of all i'm a social person i'm a people's person mm. i like to talk to people in general i i have no problems like making contacts with someone i don't know um and i think actually the you know how we met <laughs> is the, the best proof proof of of how, how it works and in the climbing world you know that you know we are as humans we are storytellers and and we like to listen to stories and you know some people like to tell the stories um but climbing is really connecting us and, and unifying us. And we just like to sit around the fire and talk about it as much as we like to climb. And, and you know, we met, we met uh, in Rifle and we ended up actually camping together and s sitting on the fire, you and your friends and, uh, and just telling stories. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was the best part. So it comes, yeah, again, like going back to, to that parallel... Um. Yeah, you know, being a you know young climber, all I wanted to you know climb, but I wanted to also know everybody who hmm. was around, and just you know, it was so fun to talk to people. Where are you from, and what you climb, and what's your life? I mean, it's just such an opportunity to just step into people's life, you know, and 
and just learn and and hear the stories. So so that was that was that you know I I was you know friends with hundreds of people, and our house in Poland we were just calling you know our our house is like you know train station people just come and <laughs> come and go because the door was just not closing ever you know people would just drop in for coffee for beer for just to talk and amazing stay overnight i mean yeah it was it was kind of you know a common common thing and this also is happening now i mean our place is open i mean whoever you know any friend who's like hey i'm in town can i can i crash in your place of course uh but I really, you know, I like that side of, of, of climbing. And some people, you know, always like, complain, oh, this place is crowded, you know, there's too many climbers, too many cars, you know, like I can't take it, you know. I don't get it. Hmm. You know, it's it's a social sport, you know, like if, you, of course, I mean, if you want to be alone, you just, yeah, go to a place where there will be definitely no one else. I bet that if, if you climb the North, North Vando of Eiger, you know, you would not see many people. <laughs> that's that it's, if this is your way to you know to live and to be a climber. That's what you do. Mm. And you know, I have friends. I know people. I mean, I, I consider them close friends, and I know that all they do is just basically go to do their own thing, not interact with. They actually seek solitude. Mm. But majority of us, truthfully, you know, we want other people around. Mm. So. Rifle became actually kind of kind of a perfect place for for that. Uh, it's it's you know it's a, just one mile of of a canyon um, with all these crags really close to one another, and on any given day you're gonna see majority of faces who are actually in the canyon, hmm. and you know you, you see the same faces over and over. So eventually you're going to talk to them or chances are that you you're going to talk to people just right next to you uh or you know you'll be fishing some beta from someone uh it's actually happens i, I think from just again from all the travels i had to other 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 areas rifle is actually very unique in that in that angle because mm. you really run onto everybody right so it's not just like you see five guys for the whole day at one crag somewhere but you're gonna see majority of everybody who is on a given day in the canyon um and that is very super unique because it really creates a strong bond between people people really uh get to know each other quickly quicker than any i'm mean, faster than any, anywhere else i think um some people don't like it you know i get it some some people are introverts so you know they have they struggle but uh, this is the part I really enjoy about hmm. specifically rifle. I don't get it really much elsewhere. You know, like if I climb a lot on front range, mm -hmm. uh, just just above Boulder. But again, like you see maybe two, three people at a time. Uh, while rifle is kind of you know, let's call it a shit show because you know you see a lot of people. Some people actually hate to climb with me because I talk to everybody. <laughs> because I've actually, or, or maybe let's put it differently. Like everybody knows me now, uh -huh. so everybody says has, says hi to me and tries to ask me some questions. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not a great partner for many people because <laughs> I before I get to you know clip the rope to the in, into Grigri, I I have to answer some questions to five other people. <laughs> Uh, but but I mean this is this is the fun part. I really enjoy it. You know mm. this is this is quintessence of uh, of of the sport for me. I mean sport climbing at mm. least. 
you know, I really enjoy climbing and interacting with people and, you know, interacting through climbing, being on the same, at the same crag, but also camping and sitting at the, around the fire, you know, sharing beers and telling those stories, you know, to me, yeah, again, climbing is, is such a social, you know, activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if people really in other sports do as much as what we actually do you now to hang out. Mm. And I really love the way it is. You know, climbers treated in Europe. Not maybe not in, not in every country, but but I really like that people after they finish climbing they go out together. Hmm. So I mean, that's I more mis- common there. Spain was just amazing. I mean, like when I started to climb in Spain. Um, you know, that was, that was, uh, my first trip was, must have been in the eighties, like maybe, uh, mid eighties when Spain was not that Spain that is now like no one climbing Spain. No one was traveling to, to climb in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had some friends from Spain who were telling me, you should, you need to come to, to Spain. This is so good. We have so much rock and you no know, big walls, small walls, whatever you want, you know, like, <laughs> and food is great and wine is great. And so I went. I was probably one of the first Polish or non-Spanish climbers traveling to climb in Spain. Oh, and wow. When was this? Yeah, probably eight, 87 or 80. Oh, wow. 1987. Okay. And, um, you know, when the level was completely different, it was uh, 8A. Spain at the time actually had four 8As. And one 8, <laughs> they were calling that climb 8B. But that was downgraded later to 8A plus, and that that area was um, in Catalonia, mm-hmm. Montserrat. Um, not a hot place anymore, but hmm. back then that was the place to go because it had big walls, had uh, multi pitch routes, and a bunch of sport climbing, like you no know, bolted one short, shorter pitches. And friends were actually like psyching us up to to go there, and uh, actually I traveled to that place a few years ago back. And I look at the routes I've done in 87, and mm-hmm. you know what? I would not climb them now. <laughs> I mean, vertical, not much overhang, not too many mm-hmm. overhangs, mm-hmm. you know, kind of kind of shitty, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, the area is beautiful. Area uh-huh. is amazing. But, you know, this is not how we climb these days. We want uh, steep, thuggy, you know, big pulls. While that was the climbing on the of the eighties, no mm. tiny holds, tiny f- smears for feet. I mean, you had you had really good feet. So I tried. You no, know, I climb uh, if maybe twelve A. I was like, yeah, twelve A. I can warm up on twelve A, right? So I it happened to be a forty meter twelve A <laughs> with maybe seven bolts, old school. Oh wow! Yeah, I and my my yikes, my calves died. <laughs> Like at maybe meter 25 or 30, you know, I had no legs on me. Uh It was just so bad. The feet were so small. And I was was just like completely not used to climb like this. So anyways, Spain, uh, yeah. uh, Like 30 feet between bolts. Oh yeah, it was it was very sporty. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I took I think I took a fall, which was not not pretty. <laughs> uh, even yeah, I mean, of course, th- th- that trip actually is probably subject for like an- another maybe for the whole book to be honest. <laughs> but uh, what I'm what I'm trying to get to is that you know, in '87, so my Spanish friends actually tell us, okay, so for the weekend we will come to pick you up because you now we'll take you know um, a few days off. We'll take you to this amazing area we're gonna go there and you'll like it 
And like, what's the place? Oh, this place, no one knows about it. It's called Surana. <laughs> and, but you'll like it. And we're like, okay, oh yeah, whatever. But we, we, Montserrat is great, you know, but uh, we don't want to go to some Suranas. But we, we went and holy moly, of course, you know, yeah. we saw that and we were just like, yeah, Spain is truly the country of opportunity. Like, this is the future. Hmm. So I wrote an article after that trip Mm. Uh, for you know, like a smaller magazine, it was a you know magazine distributed through uh, Alpine Clubs, mm-hmm. um, which is yet another story. How how communities in Europe back then were organized? Everything was basically Alpine Alpine Clubs. Mm. You know, there was really nothing else outside of like very structured you know organizations. But anyways, I wrote an article. And I called it, I titled that, um, Spain is the Raging Bull of Climbing. Hmm. And actually, I think I even used the the Spanish, like, uh, Toro Furioso. Okay. <laughs> and people were coming furioso. to me for a few years. <laughs> and and like, dude, really? Spain? <laughs> what? Like, you, you say, you, 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 you're serious? Like, Spain is going to be like the country of the future? Like, What was the paradigm? Like, where were people... Where did France. people think it was? France. Uh, you know, the common knowledge about Spain was that, you know, it was a poorer country. You know, there was a lot of Spaniards coming to climb in the Alps, in Chamonix. Mm. Uh, there were some some known good, stronger climbers. But no one, you know, sport climbing was just in infancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, again, 87. So in France alone, maybe there was already the an 8B. Uh, there was a bunch of 8As. Uh, you know, for, when I was in in uh, in Chamonix in 80, 1985, I went to climb there for the first time in that year, and I remember buying a magazine, uh, Vertical, the French uh, magazine, and on the cover was Patrick Andlanger, mm. and he on the cover was climbing the eighth route with eight A grade in France, mm. and it was like a big deal, like uh, eight, another eight A in France, wow. And we were just looking like, wow, 8A, man. <laughs> That's amazing. And on our trip in 87, you know, uh, we were actually challenged by our friends and just like, well, if you can climb at least 7B, you know, that will be great. You know, like, so we're like, oh man, we have to climb 7B, and, you know, like, that's how it changes, right? I mean, seven B is nothing now. So we actually we were able to climb a few seven B pluses. Okay. And we came back home as heroes, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was a dude. It was such a funny, fun trip. We actually sold our sleeping bags, our down sleeping bags, because like Spaniards knew that we had actually good down in Poland. Okay. And funny. and they were just buying stuff from us, and we we're like, okay, this is our last day. Okay, we can sell them. So we sold them to buy. Oh my gosh, to buy chalk. To buy in, chalk. In, in Poland, we didn't have chalk. Like no oh, one was okay. making chalk in 87. <laughs> right. So, so we wanted like chalk, maybe maybe new shoes. Actually, we did go uh, to, a sto- to, a sh- to a store and bought uh, Fire, you know, mm. shoes. Mm-hmm. Actually, that was the very, I think, first year when the Ninja shoes uh, were actually out okay. on, on, for sale. And one of one of our friends didn't have enough money to buy buy Fira, and he had to buy ninjas because they were cheaper. <laughs> and we were just laughing at him. Ah, oh, man, you're like climbing ballerinas. Ah, oh, like ballerina shoes. But well, <laughs> then you know, it turned out that actually he was sending harder because he had better shoes. Like <laughs> oh, he could actually funny. use them on. Yeah, he can use them oh, better funny. on like polished limestone. Uh, yeah, but so so we sold our our sleeping bags, and we we're traveling back to Poland in a, in a van 
through Germany, and that was already like late fall. And you know, we had to like sleep in all our clothes, literally. <laughs> you know, spend like, two. I think we had to spend two nights on the way back, and it was just terrible. <laughs> Um, so, so anyways, uh, I'm, I'm trying, trying to kind of, uh, navigate to the magazines in Poland. Uh, so I wrote that article about Spain and the guy who's running the article kind of like knew me. So, uh, he eventually hired me as editor in chief. I mean, you know, hmm. I was just like basically running the show for at the time for the biggest uh, magazine, you know, writing about climbing and mountaineering called, called Góry. Góry in Polish means mountains. Mm. And the magazine is actually still, I mean, still, the magazine is present. Uh, and it's actually now, there's a new owner of the magazine, but uh, it's actually one of the best magazines about rock climbing, I think, in the world. Really? Yeah. The amazing. quality of it is just like, amazing. And the writing is good. And huh. Um, they, it's all printed in Poland, by the way, and and yeah. Do you still get it? I mean, I when I travel to Poland, okay. so I, I buy it, and sometimes friends actually send me copies. Okay. Um, yeah, they made actually an interview with me years ago, uh, <laughs> and yeah, because again, after all all the all the stuff I was doing back then in Poland, you know, uh, basically having that magazine uh, of my own. Actually, title of that other magazine was Britain. In Polish, Britain, that word means a big dog. Okay. And um, I mean, there is a longer story why the title for a climbing world, but um, it kind of started by another friend, one of the probably strongest climber, sport climber back then in Poland. So he started this magazine and then I officially registered the title. Mm. So it was an official you know, magazine, but I didn't want to make it a very serious thing. Okay. Um, it was kind of like a side of my business, my, you know, private business. And, um, and by the way, that was kind of like after I worked as an editor-in-chief for Gure. Mm. Um, and that lasted, I don't know, maybe two years. Um, but so after, when I started my, my own magazine, so people... People very often, like I see posts on Facebook or something like, hey, people, do you remember this article from Britain from, you know, year 90, 1990? Like people still remember that, you know. I mean, magazine doesn't exist anymore, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, I was just making fun of climbing okay. and of climbers. Uh -huh. And that was on top of providing some, you know, serious information like some training articles or uh, just, just news from climbing world. But uh, myself and a few friends, we were just like, writing articles that were basically to make people laugh. Hmm. Um, like we were trying to always, always take it with a grain of salt, right? Mm -hmm. So, so uh, it was a kind of good expression of of a little crew. We were all climbers from Krakow, you know, one of the biggest cities in Poland, which is actually closest to majority of mountains and rocks. So I became kind of like part of of, of that little scene. Um, so we were like, no, climbing is is okay, but but we can, we should not take it so seriously. 
And our motto was like, hey, if we don't write about, about ourselves, no one will write ever about us. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, no, luckily, uh, some of those guys were actually strongest climbers back then in the country. So okay. writing about them was already, you know, kind of a justified thing to do. <laughs> uh, so so that's, you know, that's uh, writing, writing, I mean, publishing that magazine you know, was part of my business and and unfortunately you know it stopped i i, I wanted to uh, transfer that business to someone else mm. but it actually never worked but uh, people people still you know remember that mm. people remember and I, th I think there is actually a website that uh website providing news uh climbing from the climbing world that actually kind of like they have a logo and they say like we are a continuation of of that idea of of that magazine mm. back then uh but give me you know on on the follow i mean I, it was not like a uh thing i i was seeking but it gave me exposure in the, mm. in the whole climbing on the climbing scene so when i moved to krakow and started to live there and you know, climb with everybody there uh I was that guy who I was like the older guy, you know. That was like you no know, three to five years older than the, the strongest guys, okay. the, the kids, you know. Uh, so they were, you know, I had the car. They didn't have a car. <laughs> okay. So they were. So you're like in your twenties. Yeah, and they're all they were hanging out with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, they were just like college students or high high school students. They they could already climb like eight B, you know, already. Wow. And and you know they just needed to go climb on rocks and so they were always seeking you know my my company because i had a car <laughs> and and I, and I was publishing the magazine you know so like so that's how it kind of went uh and at some point actually uh i became the president of the local association of climbers in poland and again like poland is organized into associations like you have to have a place where you meet and you have a president and each each little association is kind of united um, into the uh, Polish Alpine Club. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was one of those little local associations you know, that I was presiding over. And uh, so we're talking about like maybe early '90s at, at this point, and that was the first time when we discovered something interesting about climbing, hmm. training. Mm. You know, like, again, for my first 10 years being a climber, there was no training. You, hmm. would, you would just, cl climbing was your training, right? You would, you, you would, you would do nothing outside mm -hmm. of, of just, I need to get on the rock at least once a week or something like this. Mm -hmm. uh, later on, uh, uh, we figured like, huh, if I can do 20 pull-ups, hmm, that actually makes me stronger, you know, when I do rocks. But, but again, that was like a self-discovery. It was not... Nothing that you know you were told or shown, or you could read about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, magazines were not even publishing much about it, you know, anywhere. Hmm. So in the '90s, we discovered training, and uh, one of the like, prominent climbers in Poland uh, uh, negotiated at no cost that we had access to a facility in one of the, you know, kind of like a. Uh, sports centers let's let's call okay. it okay and and they let us actually build a climbing wall wow so we had a training climbing wall like a bouldering climbing wall we actually had some some like short leads on it 
But then they let us build a big wall in the arena so that that whole center actually hosted a, um, like, you know, first league, top league of uh, basketball Mm -hmm. in Poland. So they had a big arena and, you know, the games were actually kind of high stakes. And the arena was big enough for for big concerts. And I think it had about 2,000 chairs. So not big enough for a decent concert. Um, and you know, with extra chairs, you could actually maybe bring it up to like almost three thousand, you know, uh, spectators. So actually, they somehow they agreed to let us build a climbing wall, <laughs> which half of I mean, whole wall covered completely half of the windows of the arena. So there was like no daylight anymore, you know, because like wall was like built right on the side where the uh-huh. windows were. And we, we you know, we wanted steep. We already knew that steep is is the coolest. So we actually built. Completely flat horizontal roof mm. uh, for maybe decent thirty to forty feet. Mm. Just, just, just the roof, just the ceiling, um, and we just built some stalactites on it and such. And we had an idea to like organize, you know, a serious competition. And I don't know what actually took us to to actually advertise it, um, but we didn't have any, like serious sponsors really to put a big brand behind it. Uh, like later on, we had Adidas actually helping us, but mm-hmm. but that that the first event I'm thinking about was just purely just climbing competition, and I had some contacts at the uh, one of the biggest radio stations like that was broadcasting na- nationwide, and they like they were actually broadcasting like several times a day. Come to this arena, you will see, you know, superheroes climbing, defi- defying the uh, gravity and you know, climbing the horizontal ceilings and blah, blah, blah. I, I, you know, and actually, we we actually provided the, the, the content okay, for the advertisements. Perfect. So, like, people were probably reading this on, on the radio without even knowing what, what they were talking about. But holy moly, we created a big stir in, in town. Uh, like, people were probably really expecting something, you know, extraordinary and and uh so we actually not only we filled every single chair we had to actually bring benches extra benches people were sitting on the floor everywhere and we probably had to turn away like two thousand people that were that just could not fit mm. uh that was that was probably the biggest craziest event you know <laughs> that i ever ever witnessed and i but sometimes i'm watching like the you know the international comps and I'm like, eh, this is nothing. We had, we had war in Krakow, you know, in 1991 or something. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, we had, you know, uh, a video projector, which was a kind of technical novelty. Mm. So we were actually, uh, during the pauses between climbers, we would just play some climbing movies, uh, speaking about, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, we're looking here at, you know, Wolfgang Gullick, you know, doing some some climbing Frank Nura, like, know half majority of people at the arena had no idea about rock climbing mm-hmm. like they, they they were probably asking themselves what the heck is going here you know <laughs> like they, so we had to explain what, what they're expecting what the competition acrobats is. and who knows and, what. and it would kind of it, would, it happened to be a perfect uh, spectacle because uh so two guys had to actually run the super final so it was just just cool, you know, because like there was a suspense and drama and you know like people were just going crazy, you know like they, they, <laughs> Yeah, who does it? You know, in, 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 in the rock climbing world, maybe maybe these days with like big big events, uh, maybe they do it. You know, with Adam Ondra and such. You know, mm. the thousand people are screaming hard. You know, <laughs> come on, come on, uh, go go. You know, 
But then, oh my gosh, it was just like out of the world. And so I happened to be the person with the mic. And I was the <laughs> announcer and I was the director of the event. And I did it a couple of times uh, like this. And and since then, we became, the climbing became famous. The climbing became like a home. Oh, this is the recognized sport. Hmm. And I, I think maybe that was the reason. Like we wanted to be recognized. Hmm. We wanted to be like, hey, we're doing something really cool. And here is our story. You know, mm. like, please come and see. We are not just like crazy people dying out, you know, <laughs> by dozens in the mountains. <laughs> uh, because, you know, back then the, the press was all about accidents, right? Mm. I mean, Polish climbers were just famous in Himalaya and, uh, you know, they did many first ascents. And uh, that, that was probably everything that people could hear in public medias. I mean, public media, you know, like just Himalaya accidents or, you know, some first winter ascents somewhere. While majority of us climbers, we were just, you know, climbing panel or we're just rocks, you know, near Krakow. Hmm. Uh, and actually, cool cool thing is Krakow has an old quarry uh, that probably rock was pulled out to build the royal castle. Some, okay. Some you know, centuries ago. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we we never knew really. Like, but if it was if if it was true, but actually, you could climb almost. I mean, really, like a mile, maybe two miles, less than two miles for sure from Royal Castle. Mm -hmm. You know, in Krakow. Krakow used to be a capital of Poland, mm -hmm. so there was there was a big national, you no know, treasury. Uh, I mean, treasure uh, of of you know, castle of the Polish kings. And you you would climb, and you look at you would look at the castle, and you would look at the quarry, and and train back then. Right now, this area is probably the most polished limestone in the world. I mean, you know, the yeah, it's 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 soap basically. Like every hope is a, every hold is a, is is made of like soap. Uh, but it's it's kind of cool to have a climbing crag on the real rock downtown. That's amazing. Of a big city. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, I thought it was amazing. It was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you like rifle. <laughs> yeah. No wonder I like the rifle. <laughs> yeah. But so, so here, here's, um, I, I was actually, I think I was trying to get to this. Uh, so yeah, you know, like I'm a rifle climber. I definitely like rifle. I spend it a lot of time in the last 20, three years i've been there a lot mm -hmm. and i you know i bolted probably 30 maybe more new routes i think you said you've climbed like 400 plus of the yeah there is uh, the since i'm preparing the new guidebook for rifle uh so i know uh the current stat is that there is 503 okay routes link ups extensions um so five roughly 500 routes and uh, I've done everything up to like 13A. Uh, I have some 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 you know link ups 13As I haven't haven't sent. Maybe uh, maybe one or two ugly routes that I tried but <laughs> I never wanted to finish. Mm -hmm. But I mean I've done yeah I, I think I counted I'm over 400. So basically <laughs> all the 14s and you know majority of hard 13s that I I, I couldn't send uh, so are on the list. But um, so, but why rifle, right? I mean, you know, of, of all the reasons, one that is really important to me is that it's actually far from home. Hmm. So even though I treat it as my home crag, mm -hmm. you know, that's where I 
get stronger that I actually, you know, you, you can only thrive in your home crag. You cannot just, just travel everywhere and, you know, just become a better climber. You mm -hmm. have to have your home crag where you know the style, then you know the routes, you can project something and really you learn time. better than just being on the, on, on, the, on the road sure, or just traveling and sampling. Um, so rifle kind of formed me as a climber mm. and because it has been you no know, more than of those majority of those 40 years of me climbing. So the style, the angle, uh, the, the rock intelligence, I would say, to me, that's where I actually kind of got it. Hmm. Um, but it's far from home. It's three hour. It's a three-hour drive minimum, mm -hmm. you know. And and I, this is actually what I like, because it doesn't feel like I'm just getting out of the ho of home, and you know, it doesn't feel like anything that I when I live, I go to work, I do everything else. This became the true temple. For me, mm, so it's more like, of an escape. so so it's a tall escape, and you know the big uh, plus of this place is that there is no phone coverage, <laughs> there's no internet. That's amazing. And for someone who you now spends eight hours in front of a screen, that means a lot. That you don't have to just you just you know you, you may pull your phone to take pictures, but you know that's it. That's where it stops. You really and it's 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 hard to believe how how different it is in our lives now. I mean, I'm not sure how many people can appreciate this, but but it's a big deal for me. And I like to climb where there is no phone coverage hmm. um, because that really detaches you from your normal routine, from what feels like, you know, that life that is might not be, you know, life in, in general is kind of boring, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you repeat the same actions and you go to work that may not be always that fun but climbing is always fun no matter you know you climb hard or not you know and people sometimes complain that oh you know i only climb you know for fun well bullshit you know <laughs> it's always fun it's always fun even if you climb hard you know you don't do it for some price you just do it mm. because actually it's even more fun mm. when you overcome something mm. But uh, what I wanted to say is that you know the three-hour drive from from home is actually the three-hour period of time that I normally don't have in life. It's a three hours of meditation. Hmm. I'm alone. I, I actually like to drive just by myself uh, because I don't have to talk. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to listen. And I actually developed a, a you know a kind of a habit of just having this drive as my like moment to meditate. Hmm. And I, I don't pay attention to the to the road anymore because I know it by heart, and and it's kind of yeah, it's like I'm oh wow, I already arrived, <laughs> like I, I can't believe that this has been three hours, and this is kind of a kind of a point for everybody who's complaining that some something is too far. When I started to climb in Poland, the only way to go get on rock was to get on the train, and so I had to leave the house at 10 p.m. on Fridays. Oh my gosh. Yeah, catch the train uh, at, after 10 p.m. Uh, meet friends. Usually, then we were just 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 uh, you know traveling by packs, so we would just you know be in the train. Very often, the train would be full, so you, there was no sitting spot. You would just stand. I mean, sit on your backpack somewhere in the corridor. Um, and that train would arrive to another city at 4 a.m. You would get out of that train, get on another commuter train. 
So train taking people to work to yet another city. So at 5, 5, p, 5 a.m., we will be on another commuter train arriving to a smaller town where we would wait another hour uh, to catch a bus, like a commuter bus. <laughs> and we would arrive to, to the crag at 8 a.m., uh, set the tents, maybe sleep for an hour, eat something, and then you would go and climb. <laughs> and then on the next day, that was you know, Sunday, you would actually do everything in reverse. <laughs> and, and it was just like, this was it. You know, you would just do it. You know, the travel was taking forever. Man. But we wanted climbing that badly that we would just take anything. You know, we didn't have cars. We were young kids. We were mm. living in Poland. You know, our parents maybe had cars, but they would never l l let us, you know, to take the car and to drive across the country. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, the message to people is just like, don't complain. I mean, every excuse is good, you know, but not this one. <laughs> no, if something is too far, no, it's just it's just not true. You know, hmm. it's just like it does. It only means that you you don't want it, no, badly enough. What does that time in the car on that three-hour drive to Rifle look like? Are you listening to to? audiobooks or podcasts or music or is it quiet yeah very often it's just quiet it's huh. just nothing yeah that, as i said it's i just it's a moment of meditation for me so so i would just not i would just drive in complete you no know, silence and it's, it's amazing how you can clear your mind uh hmm. just with that hmm. like i'm i'm really like literally i'm finding myself on veil pass which is like almost halfway through and and like I didn't think about anything. That's interesting. <laughs> but very often, this is the moment when you actually process a lot. Mm. Uh, so it happens to me that I'm actually, you know, it's, I still call it meditation because it's some 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 sort of a cleansing. But uh, I know that, you know, something happy is waiting for me. I'll, I'll be climbing just in a few hours. Mm. So sometimes like, okay, this is the time I can process everything in my mind, like work situations, you know, life situations, plans, um and I very often I just listen to music. Yeah, just mm. get get especially when I know that I'm close on some project. So I I actually try to psych myself up with some dope music. <laughs> um and you know when you drive by yourself you can you know there is no limit on the volume. <laughs> <laughs> what is your dope music that you use to get excited to climb? Um, yeah, prog days? rock mainly. Okay. A lot of prog rock. Uh -huh. Um so bands that are probably never mainstream. Um, it's funny because uh, you know I had the same musical taste as Dave Pegg. Hmm. So so with Dave, you know we've we've became like close buddies because I was of ask Rifle. You about him. And, uh, and it was a kind of amazing to discover that oh you like red wine too oh man that's awesome. Well let's let, let's let's have dinner together and like with the good wine. Or, you know, like music. And so Dave would actually, uh, back in the day, you know, in the pre-Facebook times, he would actually email me like, hey, I discovered this amazing band. There used to actually be a music, uh, a site, like a tool, a site, I don't know how to call it, website uh, tool, uh, lala.com. And lala.com? Apple bought it out. Okay. But it was like a, like a music um, sharing uh, platform. Mm -hmm. You could buy music. You could just like buy lists, just, just time. So, so because you could share. So Dave was actually sharing a bunch of music with me and I was mm. sharing back with him. So 
it's it's kind of interesting because like last at least last decade is kind of what I listen to is actually all the learning that I Dave and I had about music. <laughs> so I'm 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 discovering that I'm listening to much harder music now that I would have ever imagined. <laughs> uh, and that was because of like Dave, like huh. he's like no no no, listen to this. This is good. This is like okay, kind of trash metal, but <laughs> but but you like it. And I would just like listen to it, like oh my gosh, Dave, this is total trash. But then some of the songs were actually really good. I'm huh. Like oh, this is actually I really liked it. I'm gonna listen to it again. So I tend to be there now, like like you know, like I'm I'm listening to harder music. You know, mm. I, I, the prog rock, of, of course, being itself kind of, no, not easy to digest. Like, not everybody would like it. But I think it's, you know, in general, I discovered that climbers have interesting musical tastes. Mm. Um, I mean, I, and I think we just look for inspiration. I mean, we look for any kind of, you know, medicine that would help us send anything to send right mm -hmm. so music is actually a big part of it hmm. not when it's like listened on you know on the speaker uh some boom boxes you know under the crack you know like <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't agree with yeah speakers i mean i don't i don't like that when people do you wear do headphones that. when you climb no oh, okay no no i mean again like climbing is no music i mean like mm. i would not i would listen to music for those three hours on the mm. way to on the way somewhere mm -hmm. or even even locally you know but not listen to music right before the climb mm. yeah my, i find concentration probably differently than other people i i know people who actually climb with headphones mm -hmm. um and i i get it but i i i don't i, I don't li i don't hear anything when i climb mm. that's the you know interesting thing and people shout words of encouragement i i don't hear it mm -hmm. and actually i almost don't like when people scream because i don't get anything you know like <laughs> when people say come on come on come on i all i feel is just some some people some people behind me are stressed you know like something's <laughs> happening behind like i should turn back and look like you know this this sort of thing so yeah 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 like i think i think uh i i don't scream i don't really you know make many noises when i when i climb mm -hmm. um but I, th I think I'm pretty good with like self-motivating hmm. and self-encouraging. And I, I do talk to myself when I climb. Okay. Yeah. What do you say? Uh, like, you no, know, usually it's like a sentence. Like, this is the moment. This no, is the moment. Yeah, this is the moment. Like, now or never. You know, like hmm. stuff like this. And, and you, you, can, you, you know how to do it. Hmm. You know, like, like when I hear full sentences said by me, this is actually getting to my brain really and i can translate it to to little lamps hmm. yeah but but sort of shouting i mean it's probably you know it's a good thing to have friends encourage to encourage but i i don't build on that hmm. i'm not sure if you know maybe some people do but when i listen to people like screaming you know uh at climbers just climbers those chicken winging and being about to peel you know it's like when i hear like everybody's like come on come on now yeah <laughs> i know that this is the moment when the climber was gonna fall <laughs> yeah uh -huh. yeah it's like it happens more often than than not mm -hmm. when when you know you have 10 people screaming at you like come on you can do it oh, come on now and and yeah like usually doesn't work out if, if you look at statistics like usually doesn't work i, I think it's you know <laughs> yeah it's it's very personal too like some people 
Some people might have some energy out of it, but it doesn't doesn't talk to me. Mm. Hmm. I'd love to ask you another question about Dave Pegg. You just mentioned him. And for listeners, Dave was the rifle guidebook author and sadly took his own life some years ago. And uh, and it sounds like you, through your friendship with him, you've unintentionally, that's, that's kind of why you're in the role you are now with the rifle community. You slowly took on more of the responsibilities that he handed off and, and kind of took over for him. Um, do you have a favorite memory of Dave? Does anything come to mind? I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely have a lot of like memories that I sometimes have a flash in my, like in me, like, uh, um, so, I mean, I knew of Dave, of course, because I knew that he was the author of the guidebook and uh, that I actually bought my first guidebook for rifle, for rifle directly from him. <laughs> uh, so he was in the canyon and like, hey, so you're the author. Like, oh, do you happen to have the book with you? And he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So he hooked me up with the book and like we we, we talked and, and he actually right away on the first time he invited me for dinner. Hmm. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, Derek, you're from Poland. You're from Europe. Oh my gosh, that's so cool!" And uh, so we actually, I think, we talked about wine. But we are like, "Oh, now it'll be kind of nice to have a glass of good wine." It's like, "Oh, you like wine too? Oh man!" So yeah, I should definitely come for dinner, and that's how it started. But um, like you know, speaking of of memories, I mean, you know, maybe before I, maybe before any any like like memory, but uh, so. I, I I don't feel like I'm stepping in Dave's shoes. I mean that's that's like that would not be possible. Dave was mm. Dave. Dave was you know like no one would be. Uh, I mean him again, uh, and Dave Dave was br- bringing an interesting attitude because he I mean attitude in 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 the whole scene of rifle. I think in you know, when he moved. And I, th- if I'm not mistaken, like he moved to to Colorado around '95, and he started to live in the area, and he was the very first who actually settled that close from the canyon because of the canyon, hmm. and so that was that, that was for 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 like well, the first big big side of it. But he was the guy who was a little outsider. He was an immigrant. Um, Where was he from? From England. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, he's he was British, and uh, his wife is British, um, and he came with a strong background in writing. Uh, so he became an editor at uh, Climbing Magazine oh, yeah. in Carbondale. And so he he was already a name. I mean, people knew him because he was the guy you know, writing articles to the top top two magazines in the country. Um, then he produced the guidebook and the guidebook was revolutionary. Hmm. So my business back, back in Poland, so I was actually publishing guidebooks, climbing oh. guidebooks. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, it was still <laughs> baby steps back then. I mean, there were some guidebooks in Poland, but 
nothing looking very professional and I was trying to basically create something new and I had some ideas. So I produced, you know, I can't remember like exactly, but definitely about around 10 guidebooks for different, to different areas. Okay. And, and I was publishing all, everything by myself. So doing, you know, the page layouts and, and, you know, whole printing and back, back in the day, you know, you had to print by creating plates, mm -hmm. like, like, you know, aluminum plates for each color and such. So I had to actually learn all the, all that business and, and Dave knew that business. So that was like a big common language we had, you know, we were both publishers and, um, so now, now I'm in the moment when I'm actually, you know, we'll have the new guidebook to rifle next year, next next spring, mm -hmm. uh, published by the house, publishing house created by Dave, uh, Wolverine Publishing. Oh, okay. Um, that now is ran by Jeff Aki. Okay. And and and, and sometimes I'm asking myself like, how how I made all this all this circle. You know, I mean, you know, you never know what what the future will be holding for you. But it was interesting that you now I I was not professionally trained to be you know a computer person in in any ways. You know, I was a language uh, specialist, translator, mm -hmm. uh, but I became a programmer, and I you know I learned how to how to publish books. Now, actually, the, the whole layout, the page layout of the rifle guidebook, I, I've done it as well. Oh wow! Yeah, I just commented that you know, you know, no matter what, I'm doing this. <laughs> uh, so I, I think I I pushed Jeff now to uh, kind of go with my idea of how the guidebook should 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 look. Mm -hmm. Again, like being that business for so long, uh, I'm always paying attention to guidebooks, and and I have have my favorite guidebooks, and I Europe European countries actually produce different guidebooks than what you see in America, which is hmm. kind of interesting. Hmm. And I was trying to actually create something that would be also new, something that no one else has done. So this guidebook will be uh, somewhat different. I can't uh, wait to see it. Yeah, and you know, I, I was trying to, you know, like it probably old me is in it too, because I, I wanted to have it, not just an informative book, but also a good book, like a book for climbers mm. where you read something funny mm -hmm. funny is cooler to you know i think that it, especially when it's about climbing when you read something about like that makes you laugh it's it's more interesting mm -hmm. to, to a point and 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 also uh the layout and everything I, I, there is no other book like this yeah I'll, I'll, i can show you some pages actually already uh but uh i'd love that um, so J Jeff actually agreed. I mean, he was brave enough to kind of like try something new. And the rifle is also very unique because it's all sport. There is no no mix of trout and uh, sport climbs like in Boulder Canyon, mm -hmm. you know, which is, it's a, it's a completely different challenge. Um, but going back to Dave, uh, I mean, we, you know, it's, it was a, he was a kind of a close soul. I mean, we were, you know, we, we could talk for hours hmm. about anything. And, you know, we were traveling to Red River Gorge to, on some trips together and so if you wanted to one particular memory um it was so dave through his wolverine publishing he published a guidebook about from to, to boulder canyon okay yeah so the book at the time it was years ago so um 
book was just like freshly on on other other shops, and Dave came to stay in my place before we went to Red River Gorge, and we were he was actually sitting on like in the very very place where you are now. Okay, and we were waiting for to have, for a friend uh, to pick us up to to go to the airport, and he was running late, and and then. And then he was like calling me and like, man, I locked my car twice, keys in my car twice. <laughs> like, not just once, like, so that's, why, that's why I'm late. And by the time actually he arrived, we're like, okay, looks like we are not going to Red River Gorge. And, and I was like, Dave, but we can climb in Boulder Canyon because we have a fresh guidebook, awesome guidebook, you know, so we can just go. And Dave was like, yeah, cool, let's climb in Boulder Canyon. You know, like, I could clearly, like he, 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 for a moment, like, thought it was serious. You know, like, we're not going to Red River Gorge. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, yeah, and, and, and both Dave and I, we both agreed, you know, we, lo- we love rifle. You know, this is where we thrive. I mean, we've climbed there a lot, right? But we both agreed Red River Gorge was better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, objectively, for, like, any climber, in the world, mm-hmm. if you travel anywhere, you would probably go to Red River Gorge first before you come to Rifle. You probably would. And a Rifle used to be this big uh, area destination. Like even '97, when I was there for the first time, I saw a lot of Europeans, mm. which you don't see mm-hmm. much anymore. There was mm. people from Japan, from you know, from yeah, France. Uh, I remember days when actually Francois Legrand was was there because like, he he really liked Rifle. Hmm. Um, and he made actually at the time the hardest uh, on sites in the canyon. Oh wow! Yeah. Do you remember what some of those I were? I think he he on sited present tense. Uh, oh wow! Thirteen D. Yeah. And for years that was the highest mar- highest you know, mark. And Yuji Hirayama definitely on sited uh, sometimes always thirteen C. Mm-hmm. And he did uh, probably uh, cryptic Egyptian. Okay. Thirteen C, and that was actually unbeaten for for many years. I think <laughs> the next next record was uh, by Dave Graham. Okay. He did Gropius. What's that one? Thirteen uh, D, but oh, okay. that, that one is actually hard to on site. Um, okay. So, so that was that was kind of a uh, Dave Peck, by the way. That was his nemesis. Mm. Since I met him, he was always on uh, Gropius, mm. <laughs> and he never sent it. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, oh. he, he actually, he, he eventually sent uh, 14A in rifle. That's probably one of the easiest 14As in, in the canyon. And some people actually even pushed me to downgrade it to 13D. But I think that for the sake of Dave, we're going to leave it at 14A. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he, he never sent Gropius. And, uh, but he was always on it. Oh, my God. And Dave was known for having full campaigns and routes. Like, no, 160 <laughs> tries. Jesus. Or 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 so, or so you know on some routes yeah he was I mean he had logs of like his tries and was gone forever and I remember like talking to him like oh my gosh I really I don't want this for for me I cannot take 160 tries on one route yeah I mean he was he was close so he could afford you know to to have this many tries you know because he could could he could be in the canyon like within 20 minutes from sure. his house. I mean, to me, to you know, for someone who's a weekend warrior, I mean, there was no way I could get on the route and try it over hundred times. I think I, I I've been on the routes for at least fifty. Okay, tries. I was going to ask that. Yeah, in many many days, uh, but I I don't think I've spent more than like fifty. 
So yeah, dedication, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a route in rifle that has taught you the most? Uh, or yeah. a couple? Yeah, probably, you know, yeah, there is a route that really kind of kicked my ass. And and it's not, you know, it's not the hardest. But uh, for some reason, it was just, you know, it took me three seasons to send. His name is Sprayathon, mm-hmm. uh, 13C. In the Arsenal. In the Arsenal, kind yeah. of a classic. and um, Steep and big moves. Right, and I, I, I had just... I had just sent another 13C and I was like, yeah, I'm in shape. Conditions are good. You know, and I tried Sprayathon, did all the moves right away. And maybe it was still like, I was early in my burns. And I was like, yeah, it's going to go next go. Mm. Um, I was just like one hanging at some point. Right. And, uh, and of course, you know, it took me about 40 burns overall over the (laughs) three seasons. I had to go back a few times. Uh, but the, actually, the lesson from it was the, the steepness. Hmm. Um, yeah, because I, no, to be honest, I didn't have much experience with climbing something this steep. And when I talked to, you know, uh, a few friends who were, you know, early developers of Rifle, who um, actually wrote some essays for the guidebook. And this, these are really interesting stories. And they're a little bit compressed because we, you know, there's not much space for, for long stories. For the, the new guidebook. guidebook. For the new guidebook, uh-huh. yeah. So actually they told their stories and and that was that was really uh, kind of historical and you know, giving a better light and like a breakthrough uh, through, the, through those grades. You know, climbing something this steep when you had bolts behind you Mm. Like you would, you would, you had to look back around and to see where the route goes. Mm-hmm. That was something new, and the rifle provided that. Hmm. There was no other area in the United States before routes were bolted in rifle, rifle, where you had this kind of climbing, and it was not just one route. Mm-hmm. It was just like a you know, whole cliff, where you know you were clipping bolt number five. And you could not see your belayer already because it was just like way, way under your feet. <laughs> and your next bolt was behind you, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, even though now I've done some some other steep climbs, easier climbs in rifle, but that was kind of like a biggest experience. It was This this was definitely something new. Hmm. Uh, and and that it taught me also that patience because that was probably the first route I had to spend more than one year. Wow, yeah. And, you know, like, the you know, season ended. So, like, yeah, I didn't send her out in the first year. I came back next year. I was like, ah, I'll get it. You know, I'll get it a little bit later when the conditions are better. <laughs> and and then, boom, 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 you know, a lot of one hangs on it. I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> season is over again, you know. And the next year, I got injured. So, I didn't climb on it. And I came back again. You know, finally sent it. But that was, that was the first route that taught me patience. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, again, like, this is... Uh, the story of every climber. You're going to always have something that is not just challenging, but something that will really, really address your weakness. Hmm. You know, something that you, you will not like. And I must say, the route is great. I mean, objectively, I love it. But subjectively, I must say, I, I, was, I was suffering on it. Hmm. This was, you know, too steep for me. I, I was, you know, not comfortable to be in a big roof like that. Mm-hmm. Uh and then there was this whole new lesson of, oh my God, you know, it takes years to send a route. <laughs> you know, some people people who climb 
routes fast, you know, 10 burns done. What, did, what does it mean? That there are very strong climbers? Sure, but it means also that they are not trying anything hard for them. <laughs> no. Yeah, this is, this, is a, this is a different game. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I've got a couple more questions about your experiences in rifle. What is an unpopular or just underrated climb that you especially love? Like a, a specific route? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so actually something that you have, have maybe a little experience with. Okay. Now, the, the crag is actually called uh, Lord Tier. Uh-huh. And th this crag was so underappreciated for so many years. It's amazing. And, I'd never heard of it until this trip. And right, right. And, you know, until, until now, you know, like when I say, hey, Derek, what are you, are you projecting anything? You know, basically the, the way of to say hi in rifle is like, hey, what, what you on? <laughs> you know, or what, what's your project? You don't say hi to people. You just say like, hey, hey. you know, like you just say maybe hey. Uh -huh. But the next sentence has to be like, what, what you on? <laughs> Or how to go. Or, yeah, like, oh, yeah, exactly. Did, did you say it? Um, so when I said, like, oh, I'm trying this on Lord Tier. Lord Tier, where is it? I'm like, come on, it's rifle. Like, it's, it's not that big, you know? <laughs> you know, like, how come you don't know? So that was, um, and, and again, for myself, the discovery of it was that, hmm, I've done every 512 in the canyon. I should just, you know, look, maybe, maybe I missed some. So mm -hmm. I was just really checking. And then I looked at that uh, lower tier. At the time, it didn't have any 12s, but, uh, but I just looked at the wall, and it was overgrown. Hmm. And there was one route that was one route that people maybe climbed from time to time. Maybe there was like two climbers who would climb on it a year. Uh, music for the Dead. Okay. The route that used to be, actually, it used to be a little bit easier. Some, some features broke on it. Mm -hmm. so, so it used to be easier, I believe, that uh is it 13b now 13b now and pretty stiff for for a 13b okay i would think and some people actually even this year expressed it ah, this one probably should be upgraded to see but i don't think so uh and um so i rebolted that route okay um because it had um two problems he had actually two problems so something must have you know something was broken at the thick low at the, at the actual hardest move hmm. Uh, and it was really hard to work that that move hmm. because you had to just go for it and and most likely f take a fall hmm. uh, before you could actually even touch the right holes. Um, so that was one of the problems. And I I, had, I actually I moved I moved the bolt just lower so now you can actually clip it uh, at least and try the cracks move. And and then it had a terrifying finish. Was a ramp, like kind of like a leaning, leaning ramp, um, with and the last bolt was very. I mean, I you know, like definitely fifteen to maybe more oh, between wow. between the last bolt and anchor. Uh -huh. And it was not not. It's not that easy. It's probably like five twelve climbing, and you know, you were pumped. And sure, falling yeah. from that was you know fall was big, and 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 
I mean, not that big, but it was um, the, the route actually goes diagonally there, so the 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 pendulum was terrible, and mm. people were actually hitting something. And and again, this is something about rifle. We cannot afford accidents in rifle. Hmm. The, our presence, you know, in the canyon is that you no, know, we play nicely, hmm. uh, and we cannot give any you know uh, munition for for any uh, people who actually would not like to see climbing in the canyon. So accidents would be definitely bad PR. Um, so <laughs> mm-hmm. now this is the, this is actually one of the like f- philosophy of of the coalition in rifle that we want. It's a sport climbing area. We don't have to risk. We don't have. We don't need any accidents. And we had some accidents in the course of years. Nothing was, of course, you no know, no bad, deadly, or no one died. But uh, we had some some mishaps, and gear was failing a few times. Mm. Um, and you know, people were actually falling from the very top from the anchor. Uh, so now we have the philosophy of just providing steel beaners on every on every at every anchor at the end mm. of every route, mm-hmm. and we replace those uh, beaners every year. Oh wow! And yeah, that's been a lot of hard work that we went through already, and we're just maintaining this. And you know, uh, coalition is doing well. We have funds for this, and you know, people are very you know helpful with this. But going back to the to lower tier. Um, so, so that, that was probably like one of the most under like forgotten routes, but then everything to the right of that route, like I have for years, I have never seen anybody doing climbing Hmm. on that wall. So procession Mm -hmm. and the cemetery gates Mm -hmm. and then, um, Soup Nazi. Soup Nazi. Uh Yeah. They were not popular routes. I mean, yeah. Given like the bottom of that whole clay beautiful cliff right yeah uh stays wet oh, okay in the spring in the spring so and it's a sun hits the wall already at around one uh-huh. so maybe that's the reason that most people avoid it you know because like you, you can't climb on it you know in, in the full sun mm-hmm. especially not until like october mm-hmm. and yeah, so so th- these were like procession is a. I mean, that was such a discovery for me. Like, how how come no one climbs this? Hmm. It's a thirty five meter pitch with everything, every possible type of climbing. You know, <laughs> some bouldery, some cramps, some jugs, some slope. I mean, everything is on it, and it's you know challenging. It's airy, uh, and I rebolt. Actually, I replaced the bolts on it as well, just to kind of make it you know because the pe- people like to climb on new gear. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you probably noticed that, you know, a route that has draws on it attracts people. Absolutely. And th- that, that route actually doesn't have permanent gear. Because there's no need for that. But but at least, you know, because there are glowing bolts, you know, like, so people will notice that now. <laughs> yeah. And that area was so forgotten that uh, uh, with a close friend of mine who was actually, who actually died of cancer a year ago. Um, so he, he, he was like really keen on cleaning the areas and he had a chainsaw so we just cut all the bush under under the crag like we just cleaned it clean really clean and um it's like okay now maybe people will climb here but then by cleaning like you know area as it is now as you witnessed we actually opened um another wall to the right Mm. and Mm -hmm. it's like holy moly this is like this beautiful cliff and there were some old bolts on one of the lines and, and both of us are like, oh, we're going to bolt here. something. We're going to put something new here. And my buddy was like, oh, I always dreamed about uh, putting a route and rifle. I'm like, be my guest. 
take the best line. So he actually put up a very nice 13B called Eulogy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that got a lot of action this season while yeah, I was yeah. there. It's, it's a, it I think amazing. it's a popular time. It, got, got it looks really, really tricky. Really tricky, really bouldery. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is, this is the route. Actually, this is a typical rifle route. It's just not good enough to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is actually also a definition of climbing. Luckily, climbing is not just about power or strength or just endurance. It's mainly about movement. Mm. And if you know how to move, it'll be easy. Mm-hmm. If you're just strong, you're going to struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And many routes in rifle are like this. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's what makes it unique, maybe, and different than other places. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, this is actually what really speaks to me. Like, it's, it's movement. Like, okay, maybe you cannot pull on this hold, but by moving your body, make it dynamic, you know? There's always a way in rifle. That's not the coolest thing that you, you don't have to be strong. And, I'm str- and I am not strong. I just know how to climb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You look pretty darn fit. For... We, we were just like f- making fun, f- fun of people, of strong climbers <laughs> who actually struggle sometimes on some routes. And, and uh-huh. we see that. They just don't move nicely. You know? mm. like they don't have the awareness of body and maybe they don't have a good uh, 3D you know, uh, intuition. Hmm. It's, 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 it's bizarre, but uh, somehow, and really, I would not say that I'm a strong climber. Like, hmm. you know, like I suck, you know, like when I go, <laughs> go to the gym to train and I'm just like looking at, you know, I go to Boulder and I just cannot believe how, how strong people are. Mm. And I'm hmm. like, oh my gosh, you can, you, you do all these problems and then, and then we go to rifle and I climb like, two grades harder than you. Like, how this is possible? Like, you can pull harder than me. You can campus, you can, you can, you know, you, you do like V double digits, you know, easily. And, and, but yeah, this is, this is a kind of good mystery of, of, hmm. of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's, it's not about pure physical ability. Uh, it's also about some sense of you know, movement. Mm-hmm. So um, probably that's why I, I like rifle because it's kind of keen on me, you know, like- It you, kind of rewards that. It, yeah, yeah. And the may, skill more. And... Many routes are like this, you know, like that, that uh, I'm just like, you know, of course making jokes to people and I send something, you know, like I'm proud of, I'm like, you know, I think that God someday like decided, okay, okay, damn it. Okay, have it. I'm going to create a climb for Derek Crow. You know, I'm going to just, Put like a present tense, you know, <laughs> that that will go, and 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 yeah, it's ba- basically because it's all about movement, hmm. you know. And knee bars, knee bars is to me part of movement. Like you use your entire body, mm-hmm. and I, I think one of your episodes actually brings the notion of master beta. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Maybe Ethan was mentioning that. So Dave, no, Dave Graham came the, with that the master term? beta. Master beta. Yeah, yeah. The word is kind of. Yeah, kind of, you know, sounding weird. <laughs> I think that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, the whole point of it. Uh, but uh, th- that's this is the thing. Like, I, yeah, I totally believe it. Like, I go to Spain, I bring my knee pads, and not not the strap ones only, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I bring the th- those pads that actually work best in rifle, which we tape to the skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sleeves with duct so, tape. So yeah, so sand, of course, and uh, rock and resole in Boulder. I uh-huh. should make like the best pads for that for rifle. 
Uh, many people actually do use these strap ones as well, which which is sometimes like surprising that you know because they're a little bit stiffer mm-hmm. and they they move a little bit. They're per, they're great for Spain. They're great for like two fat climbing, mm. and they are um, you know awesome when you have to just put the whole leg behind. Mm-hmm. But rifle, you very very often you have to just use the last half inch of the pad on something. Yeah, the kneecap bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and for that you have to have the pad attached to your skin. Uh-huh. And so yeah, tape, duct tape. Yeah. I have to I have to jump in here because I have to ask you about a story. Yeah. So we connected through Brent Nathan. Oh yeah. Very good friend of mine. And he was telling he was passing on a story that you told him about a pallet of blue duct tape. <laughs> That's right. I have to hear this. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that, look, if, if there was a <laughs> store, smart store in rifle, just to, just selling duct tape, they would be probably like Miguel in, in Red River, you know, just <laughs> forget pizza, it would be just duct tape. I mean, there are just like miles, thousands of miles of duct tape used in rifle every year. So, no, I mean, really a lot. I mean, I, I when, when I tape, I probably make like four circles around my my ties. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you use a lot of tape, obviously, and you no, know, it's not not the cheapest of things. And actually, I really admire people who only use Gorilla tape, which is you know, super expensive. It's mm. Best best glue, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> and you know, people have you seen this? People are spraying spraying also skin mm-hmm. with pre tape glue. You know, yeah. So yeah, of course, everybody has to do this in the summer. I mean, mm. there's no no way to keep the pad on. So you know, it's it's kind of expensive. So like, if you find good tape, cheap tape, uh, you know, you go you go after. So one day there was like this this hardware uh, store in Boulder, like famous you know store. That basically, they, they 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 say if you can't find it in our store, that means it doesn't exist. Oh, they wow. have everything. No, like that's a hardware store, but but they sell almost you know everything that is like hard goods, hmm. electronics, um, yeah, all the machinery for like households and yeah, it's a really well equipped store. So they had um, they had this tape, and it was in a weird place. It was on the pa- in the painting department, mm-hmm. and I like looked at no, this is freaking duct tape, blue <laughs> duct tape. Definitely plastic, not paper, not the typical masking tape for painting. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I think at first I, I mean, eh, I'll try it. It's like dirt cheap, like dollar fifty or something for. You, for you a bought roll. a roll, and so I bought it. a roll, and then that, it turned out that you know the glue was not the strong. Eh, it was okay, but the main uh, advantage of the, of this of this tape was that it was not ripping, not peeling you, like not ripping hair from your mm. from your legs. Mm-hmm. It was just strong enough, and it was very thin, by the way. Yeah, it's weirdly. And did they mislabel it as masking tape? Yeah. It- so um, I assumed that you know because the color of it was just completely <laughs> like, looking exactly the same as blue painting masking tape. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, dollar fifty. So like, oh wow. I ran to the store. I bought everything they had. <laughs> so I pretty much climb on the tape for like at least three or four years. <laughs> Only like I, I may I may have just like a little bit of a roll left, 
Uh, one roll. <laughs> like the end of it, you know, just, just as a reminder so I can find a similar tape because I literally liked it. Okay. It's like, you know, people shave their ties uh, in the rifle mm-hmm. just because of freaking, ripping the hair uh, off when freaking you, the yeah. knee, knee pads. And I just, this is so hilarious. You know, like in, in some, I made even a movie in like 2000, 2007. That was into filming. Can you okay. believe it? Yeah, I was, I was always into photography, and, but then I wanted to film. And 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 I, I wanted to make a movie about rifle that actually I was playing at the end of the season during our cleanup events. Uh, so I made a movie, and I, I think it must have been 2007 or something. And I had like a whole like chapter about people duct taping legs and shaving, and and you know like some people saying like, oh yeah, I'm like you know. I'm shaven. I can touch myself, and that's all I need. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I, I I never I've never done it. But I thought it was weird, like to shave the legs like, completely. And some people are really hairy, right? And uh-huh. so it must be really difficult to use the tape. Yeah, uh, in rifle. And uh, so so that particular tape was good because it was not. Mm. It was good to keep to stay on the on, on skin, but it was not ripping too too much hair. Okay, and I'm, I'm not I'm not like too hairy, so sticky enough, but not it too was not, sticky. not too bad. Yeah, four four rounds, you know, and that was good enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. How many rolls do you think you purchased? I mean, millions probably. <laughs> yeah, t- today I was actually I was climbing today uh, around Boulder, and I I was actually using knee pads, and and I was like, holy moly, I I didn't I'm I, I'm out of tape, <laughs> so I'm due I'm due to buy some rolls, you know. <laughs> every every see, like you probably use. Let's say if you, I climb probably around 40, 50 days a season in rifle in, mm-hmm. like in the in the in the good season, you know. And I'm this is not the biggest because I'm not a local. Right, mm-hmm. uh, I would probably go through ten rolls. Ten rolls. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean three three burns a day. You know, yeah. sometimes. Uh, yeah, that that goes fast. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, there's always someone who who doesn't have doesn't have tape and asking, "Hey, can I borrow your tape?" So of <laughs> course you you let people have your tape. <laughs> but there is a lot of tape sometimes left under the crags. So so we have to have. You know those cleanups, because there is there's a lot of like cli- climbers. You know, it, it, people don't people people are good in the rifle. People don't leave trash under the cracks. Mm. Uh, but once a year is good to actually sweep everything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let's so. talk about that. We were talking about this at dinner um, this year, and it sounds like for a few years now you've coordinated the Ronde Spew, the, right. so, the cleanup so that, event. That was actually yeah, that was something that you now kind of um, unintentionally. Um, started to do uh to dave dave in you know when he was actually having some health problems and uh, so he was actually asking me to take over some some let's call them duties you know in the canyon um and what was that for, first actually thing he asked me was to manage a new route applications so this is something that you know someone from the coalition has to manage with a director of the parks in, in rifle and so that I was doing, actually, I'm doing this until now. Uh, this is actually kind of a separate topic, but, you know, uh, I think that new routing in the rifle kind of gets to an end. Mm. Uh, there's just not enough good rock. Mm. And the city, the, the, you know, the managers kind of know that. They actually know the canyon well. So, 
So they actually ask officially, like, could we be done? Oh, wow. So like, yeah, because we have a quota, like a yearly quota. So mm -hmm. we 20 new routes per year, which we never actually reached. And and lately it's been even like, I don't know, maybe five to seven new routes a year. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, maybe definitely, you know, about 50 routes that could be still put up with a lot of work, with a lot of cleaning. Mm. So, so that basically we want to leave a little window, like, hey, if someone finds like really good route, like maybe Joe Kinder again finds some something, something cool that no one has seen before, mm -hmm. because that's what happened. You know, everybody was seeing that, right? Yeah. School Cave. Everybody yeah. was always in School Cave, but who saw those lines? <laughs> it takes you know, a guy like this with an yeah. eye and imagination and, and, you know, hard work ethic to, to actually put it out that again, so like, this year I, I he didn't send it, but it might be might be the hardest route in rifle. Mm -hmm. you now even he sends it. I'm not sure if it's going to be a 15, but definitely hard 14D. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It sounds like he thinks it might be 515. Right. Um, so uh, we, were, we, we were we actually yeah we we lost the trail it. we were talking about ronde spew ronde spew yeah so so dave was actually so dave was actually asking me like hey can you take can you do this can you do this can you do this and you know and i think as far as i reached with my memory maybe 2000 uh i was bringing always beer to rifle <laughs> okay so we have you know a climber who was in rifle since very first days adam avery uh who, okay who actually is you no know, owns one of the biggest microbreweries around on front range at least really good oh. beer so i mean he sells in in the whole country now right so uh, avery beers and he always just provides beer for the event and it's like all he takes is a call you know i mean he's like he's a good friend so um so but but then there's always someone has to bring that beer and it used to be kegs now it's cans Mm. But the kegs, you know, so I was I was able to bring at least two kegs with me and <laughs> give two kegs to someone to 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 bring them. But I was organizing that, um, and then I was I was helping Dave very often to buy food for the events. Mm. So like Dave knew that I I knew what was going on. So like one year he just asked me, "Hey, I, I have too much stuff going. Can you actually do the round dispute?" Uh, at the time we were actually calling them just cleanup events. Okay, because that's how it started. People would. Now meet at the end of the season, maybe in late October, drink beer and pick up trash in the canyon. And you know, city liked that because you no, know, this way canyon was was really maintained clean, and we were just providing some sense of stewardship. Um, we should talk about stewardship, by the way. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, um, Dave. So Dave kind of taught me kind of what is what it takes to actually take care. Of the events and and all the canyon business and then sadly when when he died um i was th that guy like okay so we are still organizing rent dispute we are still you know rebuilding bridges we are still processing new routes new route applications um but no uh we so we we have a you know co coalition is it's a loose organization, so there is no membership. There is no 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 cards or IDs or you know membership fees. Anybody who joins Facebook page Rifle Climbers, uh, the group actually, who actually you, know, you have to actually ask to be allowed to the, to the group. 
but everybody who's there, we consider you are member of the coalition. Okay. But we do have a board of the coalition, and that right mm. now it's uh, I think there is twelve of us. Uh, Dave was the president of 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 the board and mm -hmm. of the entire coalition, and so at least it was kind of clear that we ha we have a leader, and he was he was the person, you know, talking to the directors and and representing us. And since he died, I mean, we it was kind of a big personal loss to many of us. Hmm. So we decided that we are not going to have a president anymore. So hmm. we are just, you know, 12 people uh, having meetings, discussions, and we just find the consensus on, on issues. And it worked well. We were kind of a good group, good group of people, people who climb a lot in rifle, know the canyon. Mm -hmm. So anyways, um, so... I, I didn't take a position of Dave. You know, I was just like really trying to just help him. Mm -hmm. You know, not fill a, a gap necessarily, but that was you no know, kind of a big moment that I realized what climbing was all about for me too. You know, that climbing, sending hard is one thing. Traveling, visiting places, we talked about that. You know, this is a big part of it. This is this is the best actually part of it maybe but it's it's important also that you if you are a climber if you're dedicated if you are using you know resources you know a lot of people you are kind of obliged to to actually give back hmm. uh, there's always something you can do to mm -hmm. help to to protect the sport to protect the area to make people feel good you know uh there's always little something. And I kind of understood that, oh my God, Dave was actually doing this. Somehow, it was not a program. He didn't have an agenda, but he was just doing this. He was just friends with everybody. He would he would be the guy who would actually come to all newcomers, talk to, laugh, you know, invite for dinner, like myself, you know, spend time with people. He was friends with everybody. Everybody liked Dave, everybody knew Dave. Um, and Dave was a guy who was you no know, bolting. He actually, when the uh, bolting ban was lifted in two thousand four five, around that time, so he was he was the one putting first droughts in rifle after a, after a hiatus. Huh. Um, and you no, know, he was bolting. He he was kind of, he was a role model, mm -hmm. right? Like everybody was would go to Dave, hey, there is a problem. There is a moving bolt. There is a, you know, beaner that is already, you know, worn. So he, he was that guy who everybody would address. And and so with Dave's absence, it was like, who who's doing that now? Hmm. And somehow, and, and not because I wanted it, because I, not because I volunteered to this, but I just like find myself, my, my, found myself in this position. Hmm. So people started to come to me for everything. Hmm. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to push back sometimes, like, no, 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 like, don't, don't, don't think that I'm a, kind of like a maintenance guy in rifle. Like I, <laughs> I just, you know, I know every bolt and I replace every bolt and I glue every hold back or something like, so when people come and tell me, hey, there is a you know, moving bolt or just <laughs> bolt, it doesn't look very safe. So I'm, my response is, oh yeah, what are you gonna do about it? So this is the sort of education that I, I, I'm trying to kind of create. Mm. In rifle because I can, because mm -hmm. you know I take that responsibility, um, but I also want to like plant that seed of responsibility in people and stewardship, and this is exactly what Dave was doing, and I want to continue that that job.
Hmm. So I want every climber who joins the coalition and who climbs the rifle more than you know one accidental day. Uh, when they come and climb the rifle, when they use the resources, just don't be just the simple user of this place. Like, be the corner of this place. Be responsible. Feel like this is your place as well. So take care of it as you would do for your own house. So all these around disputes that we call them now. So uh, around dispute, now there is a route in rifle called Rand dispute. Mm -hmm. uh, the story of the route, I actually I put it in the guidebook, actually explained how it is, but this was uh, because uh, Colin Lance, who actually bolted the route, uh, he he actually was supposed to meet, go for a meeting, like access fund meeting, okay, like something important, and he just declined, to, he actually didn't go, because he, he needed to send her out. <laughs> so he called his Randis Pew. Um, but that kind of like re reflects kind of the rebellious and kind of crazy and funny uh, spirit of people in rifle. Hmm. So uh, one, of the, one of those gatherings, you know, uh, Andrew Bishrat kind of like called it, why don't, why don't we call them... Um, Rand disputes, so we actually keep that name. So now, now it operates. Not we don't we don't call it cleanup. We just call it rand dispute. So at each event, I mean, for last what seven years now, then I was organizing the event. Uh, so I was always trying to find a moment to speak to people and actually kind of tell, hey, it's fun. It's it's really cool. You feel the power. You feel the connection. But remember that you're here because you own this place. Hmm. I mean, that ownership is very you know, symbolic, but but don't be just the user of this place. Hmm. Don't just think that, you know, it's all about you, uh, that you come to the crag and, and all you care about is that you want to park as close as possible to your project and you don't <laughs> want anybody on your project and you pissed because someone is in front of you. Like, don't be like that, you know? This is okay. You never walk far in rifle. True. You know, you're gonna <laughs> walk for five minutes instead of three, take it. You know, if there is some, somebody already on your project, be patient, he will be down, okay? Maybe, okay, maybe this time you will not have the optimal conditions, you know, but Look at the guy. Maybe you'll learn something from his beta. Mm. You, you will need it. <laughs> no, beta is everything. It's currency. Yeah, rifle it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's currency. So, so you, know, you know, again, so th this is what I, I consider as Dave's legacy. You hmm. know, and, you know, we have installed a uh, commemorative plaque for him under, under uh, the route, his hardest route. I mean, gayness. Uh, I actually mentioned the name because there was a big discussion about the name. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. So the name was um, basically designated as the one of the of the names that should change. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, at this moment, I'm not sure where we are with it. Hmm. Yeah. So some people, some people opposed it. Some, some people said like, no, this is too much. And the route was done by Eddie Rather, and and he, I talked to him, and and he grew up in rifle as a climber. Okay. Um. So so he he actually mentioned that he would not he would actually want it to, to be changed. That's just to cut the discussion. So we may just rename that that oh, name. Okay. But which is kind of sad because Gaines is the hardest route sent by Dave Pegg in the canyon. Mm. And and you know I would just 
just for the sake of Dave, I would just give it to him and keep the name as is. Hmm. Uh, if 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 it's enough of a reason, you know, and um, um, so yeah. Speaking of like you know Dave's Dave's legacy, so the city actually the the, the managers of the parks actually let us actually install that plaque, uh, which was kind of a big deal for us, and we had a good gathering. A lot of people showed up. Uh, we had you know raised beer <laughs> to his memory, but. Um, but I think I think that I, I want that spirit to be alive in the canyon. Hmm. You know, this the spirit which is uh, a really f- you know sense of humor mixed with you know that trying really hard mm-hmm. when it, you do whatever it takes to send her out, which is which is a good life lesson. When you climb something like Dave used to climb, you know, you know over hundred tries in the route over seasons, you know, it might might be crazy, but on your personal level, it teaches you a big lesson, right? That uh, you can actually do that. This is a, this is big. I mean, most people would not take it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, you know, I, I know for a fact after those forty years of like watching climbers, climbers get discouraged very easily. Mm. Various majority of climbers cannot take failure, cannot take pain, cannot take you no know, patience. We want everything right now. Be, be that guy, and you know. So they, you know, it's, it's good to keep the memory of Dave, and 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 some somehow he, all these stories about him. You know, his tries, his battles on some projects. Like, you know, I know, I think I think he spent close to two hundred times on Sith Red. Wow, I'd be mistaken, but yeah, you know, probably not by much. <laughs> Yeah, and that no story with the grub. He was like he was projecting for like twenty years. <laughs> he never sent. It is what it is, right? Yeah. But but that that sense of purpose. You know, I actually yeah. I I wanted to you know speaking of the um, conquests of of the useless. You know mm. that that I think this is the best definition of like why you why you want to climb. What, what really why you were so psyched. Um, the coolest thing that. Climbing and sport activities create in general, I think, is something that I called long time ago for myself, and I, I was spreading that kind of like notion with my friends. Is the um, what I would call it? I, I actually, I mean, I, I know what I call it, but uh, it would be something like a uh, let's call it a concept of the arrow on the on the bow. Okay. So think of your climbing like you have a bow and an arrow in your hands and that bow is always stretched and arrow is ready to go, mm-hmm. you know? And you may stretch it even harder, you know? Then the, the, the arrow will go further, mm-hmm. right? And this is the, the aspect of climbing I like the most. And I would stress it with anybody who who gets into climbing or, you know, to have that tension in you all the time. So no matter where you are, what you do, if you find the tension of that bow in you, your life is probably well spent. That means that you're after something, Hmm. but you actually pay attention to what you do. Because if you want to be a successful climber, you are going to eat differently. You're going to have a different sleeping pattern. You're going to have a resting pattern. 
you will not do certain things to not jeopardize your sand, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you will train, so you you will not you will train not to look great. You will train <laughs> to keep that arrow, you know, pulled. Uh, so, you know, I'm not sure if, if this is like easy to 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 feel it in in, in yourself, but you know, no, I, this is the the tension, you know, I feel in me, you know, for, for those 40 years, like this is, this is beautiful. This is the good, this is giving me sense of, of living. I don't have to, you know, I'm not the strongest climber in the world, you know, of course. And, you know, I just like climbing. I've, you know, it doesn't matter if it's hard or not, but that tension makes me always look f- somewhere else. Mm. And, and, you know, sometimes I feel like the tension is like, ah, I let go. You know, I, I eat crap. I, I, I gain pounds I'm, I'm, this is not good this is that this is not what i want so you know you create a life pattern a life path uh that's kind of you no know, it always keeps you in check mm. right like you 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 just watch yourself you don't do stupid things and you always because you always have a sense of a purpose mm-hmm. right you're always ready to let that arrow yeah. fly be ready yeah you know, like even if you, if you think i'm out of shape but be ready for something you know, like don't just sit and do nothing. <laughs> don't have, don't don't have it. Like there is, you, you should never be in a situation when you don't know what to do. Like I don't know what to do with my life. This is actually, yeah. Like there is the bow is, you know, not stretched. You just let it to just rest in the like neutral position. Hmm. Um, so whatever you do, that doesn't have to be climbing. But climbing is just perfect way to to actually have life. That is fulfilling. That is happy, because you feel it in you. That you know, and you don't. You don't have to name it the way I named it. But I think that you know, it's something that everybody can discover. Like, this is actually really keeping me. You know, like I'm keeping everything controlled in my hand. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people actually like to have a life under control. And. And again, like it doesn't have to be climbing. It could be anything. Again, some something useless, <laughs> but something that you something that will make you to to create that tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I wonder what Bill Ramsey would say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we, we we talked a bunch. You know, he'd probably so, be busy training. Yeah, he's probably yeah doing some some <laughs> some workouts. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, after after the day of climbing. No, we actually, you know, yeah, I spent some, some bunch of days with with Bill in Rifle because he's he's coming. He was coming off often during summer breaks, uh-huh. and spending seasons in Rifle. He actually has probably one of the best scorecards in the canyon. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah there's actually <laughs> a bunch of people who actually have the amazing scorecards. You know, uh, so Bill is definitely one of them. And yeah, it's it's kind of always fun to hang out. You know, again, we are storytellers, so. It's it's the best thing is to sit around the fire and just look at the stars in the rifle and just, <laughs> you know tell stories. <laughs> what are you excited about with your own climbing right now? What I'm excited about? Yeah. You we're, know, we're so, focused so, on. Yeah. So here is here is something you know that could be could be interesting for uh, many climbers if if someone has the courage to listen to this podcast. You know, 
Um, <laughs> so, and actually, everybody should check your episodes. I mean, your episodes are dope. You know, this is like <laughs> now, like thank you. I appreciate I, uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I I personally learned. I haven't listened to all of them yet, but I listened to definitely more than a dozen, and mm. uh, I learned and pulled so much already about training, about nutrition, about a pro mental approach and strength and a lot about training. That's, that's pretty amazing. But anyways, um, um, you know, I didn't really become, okay. I was, I said that I was, I'm not a strong climber mm -hmm. and I think naturally my strength was always fingers. Mm. So I climb in Poland on this Jurassic limestone, um, pockets, fingertips. I actually put up some routes, you know, just to give you a sense of like what we're talking about. A 13B where the crux is five consecutive moves and each move is on the mono. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> probably dead vertical Yeah. to a little overhang. Like mono, 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 right? So fingers are, were always my strength and I, I enjoyed it, but I, I started to lose finger strength. And I mm. think because I was just neglecting uh, proper training mm -hmm. to, to maintain, you can you can build it now. Now now, after all these years, I know that this is something you can you can get back. Hmm. You, don't, you don't lose strength. You can you can lose it, but you can rebuild it. Hmm. Um, I didn't I didn't start to climb really my hardest until I was in my fifties. Wow! So after hundreds of thirteens. Yeah, I mean, I I can't even come up with a list of like how much routes I've done in my life, right? But must must be definitely like hundreds of thirteen A's and B's, you um, know, a bunch of maybe C's, and and I I did my first thirteen D when I was fifty. Wow. Yeah. That's and I amazing. Was, and you know what? I was never daring. I was pro probably ready physically when I was in my 20s or 30s. You know, I already had probably proper equipment and my fingers were probably strong enough, but I, I, I just didn't process this correctly. I was never daring to try, you know, something harder hmm. because, you know, it would probably take 100 tries. <laughs> so I knew that, you know, something like 13A, I could probably 13a i had that rule like it has to be 13a had to go in a day or less than eight burns okay it's like for years that was like my rule like ah, if something is harder than takes me more than eight burns that something is wrong with me or, or the route is actually harder but you know but i was never stepping out like you know if i was getting on something that i could do the moves you know, and I try. I tried. I mean, not that I haven't tried. I tried some 13 Ds, maybe 14 As, back in Poland, and you know, monos, of course, small holes, and I could do the moves. But you know, long pitch, 30 meter of of that. I was like, oh, that will take forever. So I never committed myself to just you know, send it. Mm -hmm. I I knew that I could just go to the next 13 B and send it. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, so I didn't really like meant you know it took took a long time then, right? Because I mentally didn't grow up uh, to the point where I was like, holy shit, you know, enough of that bullshit, you know, like <laughs> I need to climb something harder now. <laughs> so so yeah, so I just climbed my first 13D then, 
And recently, that's what really excites me, you know, like to push myself hmm. to a new territory. Hmm. Uh, so it's not really about how, how many routes I can do. It's just like now I want, I want something really good. Like I want to have beautiful route and probably the hardest I've, I've never, great that I've never done before. Or maybe a, a, you know, a, a route that would be my biggest challenge in my life. So I did bolt something mm -hmm. locally. It's probably the closest rock. Um, su surprisingly, it's probably one of the closest rocks you know, in a straight line from my house. Yeah, you just showed me a picture of it. It's yeah, gorgeous so, yeah, too. It's, it's an amazing line, but uh, but it's addressing all the all my weaknesses. Oh wow! Right, so it's it's a, you know it's twenty degree overhang with small holes. It's basically meaning that finger strength is key. Hmm. And again, like I'm not a boulder, and I don't boulder. I mean, I, I do boulder to train, but I don't boulder to do something very hard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm probably casual on like V7, V8-ish. You know, I've done some V9s. I don't think I've done anything harder. Uh, maybe back in the day, you know, like I was able to boulder something harder, but was not graded correctly. I mean, we, we didn't have V-grade in Poland, mm -hmm. but we were just bouldering something. Like I can, if I remember, like that, that would be probably, could be in that range. But anyways, uh, so I was noticing my fingers were actually getting weaker with age and I thought okay I'm done this is it me 50s uh, my body's decaying you know like I'm I'm dying you know like this I can't you know I mean I'm, I'll still climb it's fun you know I'll do more 13s 13As and 13Bs and whatnot. and and then COVID happened mm. so you know no gym so no training mm -hmm. and you know what do you do you stay at home so Luckily, that, that project was bolted. And I'm like, okay, well, this is the closest from home, so I can definitely even go after work. Um, so with a friend, actually, who lives a uh, block, block away, and who actually, we both bolted the route. Okay. So, so it was perfect. Like, we just live so close, right? So it's easy to get jump in the car and just drive. And we had the rule that, okay, we just climb together. We don't mix with other people because of COVID and restrictions and... Uh, so by now we gave it probably, I think we are exactly at 60 days. Wow. Both of us. Yeah. But I mean, and again, like this is not means 60 days of trying the route. I okay. mean, we, we, we had no idea how hard it is at first and we broke a bunch of holes, you know, like we were not sure what to do really. And we changed, we actually moved bolts a couple of times and, and I, I know hard to tell how hard it is, to be honest. I have no reference. This is probably the hard, this is definitely the hardest route I've been on. Hmm. And, I, and I was able to one hang it a few times mm -hmm. uh, and I felt pretty solid, but I think the window closed. Uh, mm. You know, there was like just fire and snowfall. Right, yeah. Then I injured myself. And, and uh, so by the time I was like ready, ready to go back, I'm not in that shape and not in that body weight. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I told you, like, I went to rifle to fin to end my season <laughs> rifle to <laughs> climb as much as possible and eat well properly to sustain my climbing, but to be able to lose weight. And hmm. this is the, okay. So here is another funny story. Yeah. I actually looked for for you know um, look look in one in one of the uh, magazines that I, I was I used to publish. Uh -huh. uh, because I knew that there was an article about something 
And I, I reread the whole thing. And there was one article, it was a translation of an interview with Robin Erbesfield. Hmm. So, and we're talking about 1990, 91, maybe. Mm -hmm. So back then, she was living in France with her boyfriend, Didier. Again, no one probably would know the name now, but he was the strongest French climber at the time, Mm -hmm. winning all the comps. And Robin was was the strongest climber, you know, I mean, American climber, you know, female American climber and winning championships and such and climbing, you know, hardest routes. So she she did basically it was an interview given to Rockinize for Climbing magazine and somebody translated it to Polish. And and actually she said something about body weight. And like it's super important to keep your weight under control. Hmm. And and I and I read it like yeah, in back in March, maybe. And I was like, yes, body weight. Man, <laughs> of course. I knew that. You know, we always were doing this, like we always were, were on diet. You know, like always like wearing, you know, uh, raincoats and doing the uh, jump rope, <laughs> jumping rope, you know, <laughs> to, to lose weight. You know, to lose like water crazy. weight or something? Yeah, like we were dehydrating ourselves completely, <laughs> oh you know, just, just to have a few pounds less, you know, to, to be able to, to pull harder on some 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 some, some holes. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, so I knew that, but you know, like, you know, but you don't know. Like, you know when you do it. Mm. Really, so so I'm like, wait a second, it's true. Like, I I'm not I'm not a heavy guy, but hey, five pounds less, that would definitely help. So those five pounds less, you know, so I'm normally at 155. I went down to like 150, mm-hmm. and oh my god. I mean, if there is any advice I can give, not being a professional climber or trainer, <laughs> but weight is a big deal. Hmm. Interesting. Which, which translates to everything else, you know, like training, eating, um, sleeping, resting. It's not easy to keep your weight under control and not to be hungry, mm-hmm. right? Because like if you don't eat just to lose weight, that's one of the ways. But you're gonna be hungry, mm-hmm. and that's 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 bad. So you hmm. have to eat, not be hungry, but also lose weight. <laughs> okay. So what you eat matters. It sounds like voodoo yeah. magic. Yeah, and what no, you eat matters. Like what you eat matters. Mm-hmm. What you eat and how much at the time, because it's very often you don't need a lot. You're hungry. Your mind, you, you, it's your your mind is hungry, not your body is hungry. Hmm. So you have to be, you have to be the master of it. Like you have to provide the body what you know that the body will need because of what you do, hmm. and not because your mind is telling you like I would really don't mind a steak now or <laughs> I don't eh, that that pastry looks really good. Now you have to basically be the master of that, hmm. and and you know some of your episodes are fantastic about nutrition, and you know again like it's it's really cool because like each your episode has a description of what it's about, and so people can find it very easily. But it's it's a huge deal, and you know you discover this now in every sport. People who perform who are the best are people who actually all of them eat correctly. Hmm. You no know, soccer players, uh, bodybuilders. You know, like of, of course, you know, food makes makes you succeed. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, it's funny because after all all these years, after hearing so much through the throughout the years, I'm still learning. I'm like, hmm. and I you know, I, be, I became vegetarian uh, seven years ago. Okay. And and of course, 
that was you know kind of a big uh doubt you know like would that be okay for my climbing mm-hmm. like can i really get enough protein and you know the answer is very easy of course you can like meat is yeah it's overrated you know like as a source of protein mm-hmm. uh and you know i didn't stop eating meat because of like some convictions i just didn't like meat Okay. Like as uh, all my life, like uh, meat was my least favorite food. Huh. And and I noticed that I did I was not eating meat for a few months. Somehow, like we never had it at home. We, I never went out to eat meat for a few months. I just didn't touch meat. I'm like, oh my gosh, this this was great. This was a huge discovery. And that year, actually, I was climbing very well. So I'm like, okay, so that didn't affect me. But I'm still learning. I'm still trying to find like ways of like, you know, like this year was interesting because the way I eat, I, I'm never hungry. Like I got to the point where I'm rarely having a moment that like I, I, I feel like craving for something. Like I really need to eat something. I don't almost don't have those moments hmm. um, because I think I, I eat correctly for me at least. I eat small amounts. Uh, I snack a lot. On you know nuts, and being being vegetarian, I'm mean, the rule is simple. You eat what you can collect from a plant mm-hmm. or what grows in 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 the ground. Mm-hmm. You know that's the best. And not processed. You know the, the the less you do it to it, the better it is. Natural. Um, so that's one. And I cut off cut completely off the sugar. Oh wow! Yeah. So like no pastry, you know, I really don't eat candy that much in general. But cutting of pastry for coffee, that was a big deal. For me. So <laughs> I kind of like like my little, you know, sure. uh, croissant uh, with coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. And and even, you know, like changing, changing, it's actually fun. To, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's a discovery. It's, you know, it takes research, which is really fun. Um, and, and, um, um, the changes are good, like the not changes over life are good. You know, they have to make changes every month. But you know, like if you change something after many years of doing something in a, in a very specific way, well, it's it's probably good. That that means that you discovered something new. Hmm. You know, that means that you stepped into a new territory. Hmm. You know, like like recently, coffee with uh, coconut oil, hmm. not coffee with milk, mm-hmm. right? Like I would never think of this as a combination, but I, again, like I read somewhere in, in I think it was in Rock and Ice uh, magazine, it was just some like recommendations for what you should have for a specific type of climbing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, that's an interesting, you know, combination of things, and uh, I, I I love it hmm. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and I'm but I'm not like Bill Ramsey having coffee, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> next to your bed. <laughs> I don't think anyone's like Bill Ramsey in a number of ways. Yeah. <laughs> special guy. <laughs> Very special guy indeed. What do you feel like so you think this project is going to be 514 potentially? I mean I would I wouldn't I wouldn't like to call it. Like if when people ask like how hard it is, I know like I'm I'm sure it's 13D. Okay. Yeah, it's like definitely not none less. I mean having basically done many 13Cs in my life, mm-hmm. I know that this one is definitely harder. Okay. I've done some 13Ds but they were the different character okay. so like compare to compare the, it is hard but so basically the 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 message is it's never too late mm. it's never too late until 
until when is the question, right? And I don't have the answer for that, but I just discovered I'm 57 in a week and it turned out it was not too late, right? So if I can climb something like this now, why the hell I didn't climb something like this 20 years ago? Hmm. It's, you know, and, and, but I, I look back and I don't, don't feel bad about this. Because again, it was, it was always fun. No matter what you do, again, climbing is always fun. You don't have to be the strongest climber in, in the posse. But you now, having that tension you, you, you know, of, of the bow in you, you will be always finding fun. And hmm. you'll be always finding uh, that purpose. So that maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I was like not ever challenged, like time to, you know, prove myself, to have to show off a little bit. But but now it's 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 more like a yeah, why? Why I haven't done anything harder in my life? Hmm. maybe, you know, um there was this Polish Polish uh, famous like Polish uh, sci-fi uh novelist. Stanisław Lem, and people who like like this type of literature definitely know the name. Um, so, so he actually said something really cool because he said that all the things that you regretted you now that you haven't done them, don't feel bad about them because you probably did. You you probably couldn't. <laughs> like most likely, you could not. So I, I'm telling myself like you know yeah like. <laughs> I was probably never having a life situation that would let me climb something harder than I was like used used to. Hmm. No, I you know I could send a thirteen, but but never was pushing myself to climb uh, something really really hard. Why? Because I had a you know nine to five job, and I, I, when I was leaving the office, the last thing I I would want was to rock climb to hmm. go to the gym and rock climb. I was so tired. But, you know again. Your brain is only two percent of your body weight, but it eats twenty percent of your energy daily. Mm. And you know, of course, people working physically feel it differently. But why do you feel tired after you know sitting in front of the computer for for eight hours? Well, your brain is is exhausted. You know, twenty mm-hmm. percent. I feel like I'm fifty percent. No, it's gone <laughs> on a given day. Mm-hmm. So with that, you drive and you go to the gym. And you just like you, you don't want any problems, you don't want any obstacles, you know, you just oh my gosh, you want you you want to have some rest and break, and you get to the parking lot, and the parking lot is full. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, like you can't even park. So this is the moment like it's easy to take, okay, I'm going home. But no. You you wait for five minutes, someone will leave, you know, you're gonna park. Uh, you get in the gym, it's really hard to warm up you will get well, you'll get, your body will adjust. Actually, your mind will clear and you'll have fun. You will actually have, you, you may have actually a pretty decent workout. Uh, but, you know, many times, many often, you know, and this is not just me, of course, you know, it's everybody who has a job, family, you know, kids, you know, responsibilities, bills to pay, you know, garden to mow, uh, trees to you know collect leaves i mean all of this is just like it's so much like everybody's living with so much there is so much overhead that you know if you're just a weekend climber a weekend warrior i mean you're not gonna be you know a hero hmm. but and that's okay i think that that's is okay whatever you do is fine if you can just do one hour in the gym that's fine hmm. don't feel bad about it you know like 
you just you, you just look at your friends and they're sending harder. They go to climb and you can't because you have a commitment. And, you know, it, it makes you feel kind of bad. And of course, and you know that you would like to climb you now in your first 514, but you will not be able because you, you, you cannot train. You don't have time. You don't have energy. And you're not going to do it. You know that. You know yourself. So like if you know your body well, you know that there is no miracle, right? You're not going to do it. But again, don't feel bad. It's okay. Hmm. Because, you know, one day you might be 57, you might be able to. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no good and bad. There is no good and bad, you know. Like this is, this is, the th this is a kind of a big discovery that, you know, when you age, you kind of discover that you don't care that much about things. Because really, there is no good and bad. Something that is good today might be bad tomorrow, and you know, vice versa. Uh, so, because you you have you have a bad season, that doesn't mean that you're done. You know, there's always that hope. You know, if you if you find if you organize your time better differently, there's always that possibility. Um, but. Still, whatever whatever you do as a climber, you now like many people come to me and say like, why don't you just do some tr more trout climbing, you know, or or why don't you just try something harder? Then my answer was always like, dude, I'm happy if I can find time to go to the gym for one hour because mm. that's all I can do. Mm -hmm. Some days I'm now I'm busy with projects at work. There is no physical way I would be doing more. And, you know, I can take vacation on some, some during some periods of, of, of the year uh, because of my, what I do for work, you know. So I'm not going to go on a trip when I'm in my best shape. Actually, my shape will be ruined because I spend too much time at work. And and again, you don't train, you're stressed, you stress is eating you and you don't sleep well, you don't eat well. And even though you think you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in shape, it will be gone in two weeks, you know. So good might be bad in two weeks, <laughs> and then and then something happens unexpectedly. You no know, COVID happens, hmm. and it's majority of humanity is you know it's a bad thing. But pff, my God, you know, COVID let me climb on my project <laughs> <laughs> so so much times, uh, so many times. I mean, and uh, yeah, it's like. We bolted that route. The, the you know, the the uh, the line was there. The rock was there. Uh, why no one bolted that route before? That's a mystery to me. Hmm. You know, it's it's a really obvious spot. It's close to the front range. So it's, it's it's a very prominent you know rock. And people are pressing us, like my friend Ed and I. They're pressing us to like. Are you done? Are you done yet? I want to try. I want to get on it. I'm like, hmm. dude, you waited for what? Hundred years? Can you wait another, you know, year or two? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, if you really wanted that badly, why didn't you do it like three years ago? Hmm. Now you knew that you knew that rock. You, you know, you see what I mean? But it's it's kind of bad. It, it, it's it, it's been bad. Like people were climbed on the trout. Like you know, some some people are like, oh, route is bolted. Oh, I'm gonna just climb on it, and then we, we just go and we see all these tick marks. Hmm. That no, it's not our beta. Uh, so we were actually posting something on Mountain Project, and and luckily it stopped. People, people, I can, we don't see any new tick marks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, you know, it is going to. You know, this is my prediction. We will call it 13D, 
And as soon as people get on it, they will upgrade it to 14. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's this, way better than the opposite. Th- yeah, this is this is front range. And mm. this is, you know, this is how things go. Like people like to upgrade here. Interesting. In general. In general. Huh. Like, yeah, I think. Uh I mean, I think it would be fair to call it 13D. And I don't care. I don't have to, you know, again, like I would like to climb a 514, but I'm not going to call it out because I really wanted that number. Right. You know, but this climb is truly hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's it's very unique in a way that it has many, many su- subsequent moves on very small holes. There is actually a mono. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, there is actually a mono that Full I know that many people will not be okay with. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it holds are painful. And I think actually, the, the, uh, again, like speaking about like how to get ready for something, mm-hmm. you know, like for this, I had to do something kind of new in my life. You know, like get to a new level of, how how much pain I can tolerate. Wow. Yeah. I okay. mean, like you have two burns on that route and fingertips are trashed. Huh. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm trashing myself like pretty badly on it. And, you know, again, like I, I was training this year. So my finger strength, I got it back. Um, I was feeling pretty, pretty, pretty good, to be honest. Uh, so maybe I'm not that old. <laughs> my, maybe I'm not decaying yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> but he had pain like like you know how did um, you train that or prepare for that i think it just uh by, by climbing, doing it. You know, climbing on it you know mm-hmm. like that was the only way i mean i i was trying to recreate you know this kind of pain on hangboard mm-hmm. but it's, it's it's a little bit difficult um <laughs> so we're talking about you know you know maybe one third of the first pad mm. holds um you know, slightly overhanging and sharp edges. And, you know, so, so I, we used to cut ourselves, but the skin got, got much better. Mm-hmm. And so I don't cut myself anymore. And, and, and you know, okay, so we've been, we spent over 50 days on the other route, just, 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 you know, building, trying, figuring out, you know, regluing some holds. Um, and so maybe only like last 30 days we're really trying mm. like the road, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So give it or take, we had maybe 60, 60 burns. And actually for, for a long time, we were just doing the first half because the first half is just like, you know, 11 plus to maybe V8, you know, to another V9, mm-hmm. like with a very small shake only. And then after this is probably 13A or B. Hmm. And with... Sounds hard. Would definitely a V6 at the end. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a cracks at the end. So what I think it's like probably not more that the upper half is like probably 13 age. And there is no rest. So like you just you just you just have to climb. There's no time to chalk. So we were just climbing on that first half of those you know, the two boulder problems uh pretty much forever, just to trying to figure <laughs> out what to do. And mm. we change we're changing beta, you know, like I had some crazy beta going with the underkling thumb. Like far high above my head and dinoing out from it. Whoa! Yeah, yeah, it was just bizarre. Now, now, like, luckily, I figured out a better way. But um, 
So, you know, we had like goals, like, you know, from the ground, going through the first cracks, then from the ground, going at least into the second cracks, and, and then from the first cracks to the top. So we didn't actually start to climb to the top, like, until we were able to do the boulder problems. Mm -hmm. So after all, like, we didn't really climb the whole route a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But because we were so much, you know, on those cracks, so boulder problems, boulder problems, and trashing the fingers. And I think we probably built built uh, some resistance. Mm -hmm. But out of those 60 tries, um, 50 of them were definitely on ibuprofen. <laughs> 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 like, like religiously now like we we just like cannot <laughs> we take ibuprofen like i take ibuprofen now before i leave because it's only 20 minutes ride right so we, oh, I take so ibuprofen when i leave the house so it, so it starts to like it takes about 30 minutes to actually that kind of like dull that edge you know <laughs> yeah and we, we just do some warm-ups like we, do, we usually do two warm-ups and then we get on and then it doesn't hurt that much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate it. I, I don't like ibuprofen. I, I don't like like pills or anything. But, uh -huh. but uh, sending vitamins. Yeah, vitamin I. It's just like <laughs> in this case, it's very necessary. And yeah, it's just yeah, it's pay. So I know that when people start to try it, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, strong climbers will just will just do it. You know, like sure. they will just like not not even notice <laughs> what what was like a <laughs> lifetime challenge for us. <laughs> But you know, people who will be like like me, you know, maybe some even stronger climbers, they will be struggling because of that, you know, like like figuring out the the beta on it and taking that pain, mm. even though the moves are beautiful, like the sequences are just like, you know, artistically speaking, hmm. you know, like you know, it's a good ballet, you hmm. know, it's really it's a really nice nice flow, uh, but again. You know, I can't wait to try it. What happens if I don't send it? You know, like mm. there's this question, and I, I think your episodes are helping. Hmm. You know, like because I, I I can't remember who was saying this, but I just somewhere someone said that uh, maybe that's okay. Maybe you will never do it. That's that's hmm. so what, right? <laughs> and it's hard to accept the failure. Because like you know, when, when you go to let's say to Spain to to on the, on, the, on the road trip, and you try some beautiful routes, and you're really close to your project, you even extend your trip, you know, you, you rebook your plane ticket, and you still don't send, you know, and you know that it's 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 either gone forever, or you have to change your life somehow to to come back. Actually, there was like, I have a few cases like this of friends who. Yeah, we're falling on like last move of something, you know, in the RDR and, and uh, you know, it might be painful to accept that I didn't send and I have to, I, that's it. I don't have any, any more, you know, tries. <laughs> so, yeah, luckily this one is 20 minutes from home only, so, you know. What do you feel like you need to, to do to be able to climb it? Is there anything in particular that you're planning on focusing on over the winter? Are, are you going to be able to continue trying it this winter? Or yeah, yeah. So you know, training for it. I think you know both Ed and I. Like Ed is a little bit younger than me, but you know we are kind of same generation guys. So we are you know older guys uh, who never really trained. We always climbed. Mm -hmm. you no, know, Ed, Ed definitely has a better score, scorecard than me. I mean, he climbed harder stuff in rifle. He's done five fourteen. Uh, 
but we you know our training was always not systematic mm. so we for the first time ever we actually did full program of uh, uh anderson brothers you know mm. we, we you know from their book mm -hmm. so we just decided to just like do repetition you know hangboarding mm -hmm. for those whatever number of weeks um and but we climbed throughout okay like, basically i think and this is what's something that i think steve bechtel maybe said on one of the episodes that uh like how can you just train and not climb like this is like <laughs> you know countering the the purpose of, of like you, you're a climber you have to climb so it's hard for me to just like do nothing but training for mm -hmm. like 13 weeks and and really not not touching the rock much so i think we will need to figure out now something that will uh let us climb at least once once uh, on weekends right mm. and so we can actually train uh, for what we need and actually what we what we know what we need we know we know this is the definitely finger strength and maybe a little bit of better endurance because after all you know it's a climb without rest so we were just talking about maybe hiring someone to like give us a program really yeah interesting which is you know like or, or asking a friend you know yeah. like we you know the john codrill for example you know he's he's i think not right now he's only like writing training programs for people mm. or something like maybe ask someone like a friend like this you know like hey can you just give us some hints you know like what we should be doing and, and then again caveat is we're talking to, to the old guys <laughs> like we, we we cannot train four days a week we cannot mm. just like push much because you know we're old and you know our shoulders are hurt <laughs> like this is this is the thing like train you're not just like oh you're weak you know, you don't have it no we are hurt because you're old you know and and this is actually one of the big changes i, I noticed like you know oh my gosh like crack climbing like jamming fingers mm -hmm. jamming hands is so much more painful now <laughs> than it used to be hmm. Yeah, I still like carry like an injury in my one of my indexes from a uh, like a famous crack, like a thirteen A crack I done in Poland, and it was a finger jam that kind of hurt my. I injured my finger, mm -hmm. so the finger is feeling this you now thirty years later. Wow. Yeah, but but back then it was just like whatever, you know, <laughs> just you put the hand in, you just you just climb, you just uh, pull on it, right? Uh huh. But now, oh my God, you know, like this. You know, I would I would not be able to take this pain, hmm. Um, hmm. and I think like many many climbers of my generation actually tell me like you know, when you're older like yeah it's a pain it's just horrible like Alan Lester is hmm. for example one uh, hmm. you know who was probably one of the strongest crack climbers in the country you know the guy who freed uh, Moonlight Butters yeah right I so that name I mean but he has of course many other you know records uh, with crack climbing and so he actually did the same thing oh, my god you know like i'm older like it hurts you know i'm like and yeah like taping is not even helping that much <laughs> um so 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 i don't know if it, you know we would probably definitely be able to find someone who would have a program you know but it, pretty much we we know like we, we i personally i think i know what's needed for me mm. and that would be definitely hangboarding and and weighted Weighted hangs, uh, weighted pull-ups. Hmm. Yeah, there's like, like one movie, like P 
purely compression, no feet, just you compress on that mono and you compress on the side pull and your feet have, you have to pedal quickly mm. to bring your feet up, you know? So like, I know that I will need to uh, do something for compression, like rings maybe. And, but now, you know, so I'm, I'm shopping. I'm shopping like what would be kind of sounding good. And I'm trying to be smarter, smarter as well. And to be honest, again, your episodes help. So like stuff that, you know, uh, I mean, I hear pretty much on every episode that someone talks, speaks about training and preparation, you know, how to make it not boring, but also how to mix it, how to actually not completely, you know, cut it from climbing, from actual climbing. Mm. Uh, and, and just like discoveries, you know, like weighted hangs, you know, so we, we were actually doing the repetitions, you know, the seven three seven three, and then mm -hmm. I heard uh, John uh, Sigrid like saying, "No, seven thirteen <laughs> or something, <laughs> right?" Mm -hmm. Like you take a longer break. I'm like, "Wait a second, that is an excellent idea," you know? <laughs> like why not? And I actually tried that already. What after, did you think? After, uh, right after like listening to his episode, yeah. what did you think? No, I thought it was great. Yeah, not 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 only that you take. I, I do it sometimes when I do something on the computer. Mm. It's like those thirteen seconds. Let me look back at the screen at least to see, you know, like if I'm like writing something, something's calculating, you know, like mm. some waiting waiting for some results, and I'm just like looking back. Or <laughs> yeah, so that it's it's it's, it's that's cool. And when you do seven thirteen, actually, you can it's, it works really well with weights. Like mm -hmm. when you do weighted, so you 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 rest longer. I mean, like small weights. If I if I do like max hangs, you know, of course, you now the rest will be. But I thought it would be three minutes. That's it. But then, no, people actually do longer, huh? Okay, you know, that's that's a small discovery, but but also helping. Um, so like like maybe 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 we just like find. I definitely found that repetition hangs. You know, works for me. Hmm. I definitely got got my finger strength back. Mm -hmm. um, then weighted pull-ups, um, definitely made a huge difference for me. You know, I back in the day, I used to do like five five one arm pull-ups. Used to do what? Five one arm pull-ups. Five one arm pull-ups. Yeah, like on like five on the right, three on the left. Damn. So I was like, you know. Uh, not that it would help help me with anything, but <laughs> again, I was not trying anything harder than I I could send fast. However, uh, so it's this, pretty this, damn this, strong. Yeah, this year, this year for the first time, I f I was able. I mean, no, it wasn't like a perfect one arm pull up, but I I got strong enough, probably from weighted pull ups, because <laughs> I was like I was warming up, you know, on the hangboard uh -huh. uh, right uh, right be before the climb, so. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can pull again. Like my, my arm is bending, like I can pull on, on, on each. So I was like, yes, that's that's that. You know, like how, how simple. All I have to do is just five five pull-ups. I just have to attach, I just have to attach, you know, a lot of weight to me. <laughs> By the way, because of COVID, you could not buy any weights. Oh, funny. Yeah. So, oh, that makes yes, perfect sense. Ed actually had has weight, so we have actually our dojo is in his garage, so it's a hundred yards from here. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I I couldn't buy any weights, but I have a lot of like nicely round rocks. Mm. 
dude, I have a drill, I have some glue, <laughs> and I put some bolts. <laughs> really? Some like old bolts I recycled, you know, from like... Rebellion. That is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I'll show you. Yeah, I have like a, some weights, you know, made of rocks, nice nice and rounded, you know. Do you like they, write the weight on them or something? I, I weighed in them, so like one that I, I still have at home is 35 pounds, so, <laughs> you know, but yeah... Uh, it's the, some some of those weights at at Ed's place, uh, yeah. But you know, like there's always a way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, but anyway, so, but weighted, you know, weighted pull ups, and and uh, it was an amazing progress. Like hmm. I was at first, I started with thirty five pounds, mm -hmm. and then I discovered that you know I went to like sixty to oh, actually I, I think the biggest was seventy, seventy pounds. I could For do it. five pull ups wow. with seventy pounds attached. From 35 to 70. Yeah. For a set And 35, no, at first starting felt hard. Yeah. And you know, like back in March or? Um, back in March, yeah. yeah. And you know, I actually, you know, I, I really appreciate what, and when everybody provides some some info, posts, you know, something, or like your episodes, like I really appreciate this because, you know, it's a free, free knowledge. You know, like it's just, it's a gift. So, you know, you, you know, Rob Miller. Uh, well, Remind like, me. Strong, strong guys from from Yosemite. Okay. Um, him and Justin Young, uh, they did the free ascent of uh, Big Mushroom. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's a he's a Yosemite guy, but he's a, he's also a uh, trainer. Okay. Yeah. So he actually posts a bunch of stuff on his on his Facebook, and and he was actually he was posting something about uh, weighted pull ups. Hmm. I mean, simple things like this, and and there was actually kind of a little bit of science behind it. Um, and that was, you know, like, yeah, dude, you, you know, that, you know, you pull with some weight that's, that helps you. That's better. But how to structure that? And all you needed was basically three pull-ups. We just put a lot of weight on mm. you and just be able <laughs> to do three pull-ups, max weights, mm -hmm. pull up. And that is like, you know, I'm an old guy. But it, it, yeah, it was a miracle. <laughs> and then you know, you 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 for, at first you do three pull-ups, then you discover that you can do five with the same weight, and then you just add, keep adding and adding, and and they have, a, of course, a, you know, friends are training people uh, through COVID. People created dojos, you know, in garages, you know, moon boards, uh, hang boards, everything, and yeah. So I have a buddy of mine who posted actually. Yeah, the bastard. He posted a video of him having a front lever. Wow. For 40 seconds. Damn. You know, and I, I know him well. Yeah. And I know he's 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 strong. And I know him, he he he's he's really good with training. But 40 seconds front lever. That's and, really good. And he was like, oh, and he's like casually wrote, like, I'm trying to do a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of like a, you know. Of course, like I called him, like, okay, so what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Like, how did you come up to like that much? You know, and he just told me like what he does. So I, of course, immediately I jumped, you know, at that training. Uh, <laughs> and well, I can't, I can't do like that much. I mean, I can do no seconds at least, you know, but I was not able to hold it, hold it at all. Mm. Right. But it's amazing that if you do the right thing, even if you're old or if you're weak, you can actually build it. Hmm. That's like so amazing. It's such a fun, fun discovery, and combined with like right food, right you know lifestyle. If you kind of, 
and you don't have to be like told by a trainer like you should do this you should like this is the best thing for you maybe you do something different but but there there are there are many things many things that will actually help you with your climbing <laughs> yeah this is, this is amazing so exciting plan for winter and you know i'm i'm a big skier mm. i would i would think you know i ski a lot Mm -hmm. You know, and so I, I, this year, this is the first season since I live in Colorado, since I have 23 years, I'm not going to buy a pass. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'll be just doing backcountry, I guess. Okay. Um, and, uh, but I'll do definitely some ice climbing and some dry tooling. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So that will keep me away from like, you know, structured training, I think. Because mm -hmm. like, if you do too much, too much, too much, you know, stuff, you, you can't be good at anything. Sure. But I think, you no, know, sometime in, in January, I'll definitely start like a, like a plan. Okay. Like, you know, my goal will be to, because I, I, right now I know if I can pull five times with 70 pounds attached to me, that means that you know I'm 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 good I'm 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 at a good level, mm -hmm. you know. Same with hangs. If I can you know hang for ten seconds, uh, with whatever thirty five pounds attached to on a, on a ten millimeter edge, mm -hmm. that will be a good you know benchmark as well, showing me that I'm I'm somewhere that I should be for that route. And then for endurance, you know. Same thing. So, you know, I I discovered actually endurance is kind of easier to when you're older. Endurance kind of comes naturally. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, once I was projecting a route in rifle and I I, I was actually trying Gainus, you know. So so there I, I never sent actually, but uh fourteen so clear. Right. So you do a thirteen like a thirteen D to a rest on one good hold. Mm. And I knew that and after this, next move is probably a V7 boulder problem. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I needed to rest at, at the end, at the final jog of the first part. And so I was training to be able to stay on one hand for three minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was my training in the gym. Okay. You know? And I, I kind of got to that. Huh. You know, like, you no, know, it took some time, but I got to a point where I could actually stay, not, not on one hand, like switching hands. Switching mm -hmm. hands, maybe having one foot for like a small hold for support to train. Mm -hmm. I could just stay like six minutes easily. So training like a pretty bad rest, basically. Yeah, like bad rest. Okay. You know, like and people would like look at me. What are you doing? Uh -huh. like, you just like yeah, the hold was pretty decent when you, when you just grabbed it and to pull from it. But you no, know, try to stay on that hold for for that long. That that would become you know something. Mm -hmm. But people just like see me like hanging on that one hold you know like some some in some overhang you know with like one foot on something you know uh-huh like barefoot not even climbing shoe just like oh funny yeah and like this is training <laughs> but yeah i mean you know there are ways to like you can find yourself like what we really need so i think for this new project i i know what i what i need and that will be endurance so i'll be probably trying to hang for five minutes hmm. on some edges you know that would be kind of a good good goal, and 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 again, just like, straight. Like keep yeah straight like like no no feed just hang for five minutes. Huh. I'm like yeah. So I was I was actually practicing already a little bit uh, for this and for 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 this season, and my endurance just skyrocketed. You know, hmm. just by simple hangs for like you know try to stay for five minutes on some edges. 
That sounds insanely hard. Simple, like simple. And yeah, somehow I, I, I was seeing quick gains. Huh. So we never know. How long were you making it? Pardon? How long were you, did you make it to five minutes? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. On like what size holds? Uh, it was probably like taking two pads. Flat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, you, you could actually stay on one hand and shake. That would, you would, I would allow myself to actually shake quickly, but no pull-ups, just, you know, and, you know, trying to not be like hanging like a bag of potato, like, no, uh-huh. just engage, so engage shoulders, shoulders, engaged, yeah. Hanging two arms on a two-pad edge yeah. and then yeah. occasionally shaking one yeah. hand really quickly. So, so That's now, so interesting. So here, here's now <laughs> another interesting thing. Um, uh, the strongest guy in the world right now, you know, as of 2020, uh-huh. in dry tooling, mm-hmm. DTS style, is a very close friend of mine from Poland. Okay. His name is Derek as well. Uh-huh. He actually was my best man. Uh, oh, no way. Wedding, yeah. So we actually kind of lost contact for, for years because I don't know, like he was busy with his business, you know, like, you know, when you, when you don't see someone often, like you, you just talk, you know, I mean, not as often. Mm-hmm. But then we, we recently, we kind of hooked up again and we talk and especially since I, I was like reading news about him, like, you know, this is the guy who like does D. 16 plus dry tooling. I, I don't even know what that means. This, like the high, this is the highest number uh, okay. right now. So uh-huh. dry, dry DTS style, by the way, means that you don't do figures. So like figure four, mm. right? When you put your legs around mm-hmm. shoulders and that kind of let, lets you pull harder. Mm-hmm. So DTS style means that you climb as a rock climber. So so basically feet and hands on axis. Okay. So you don't do those figures. No figures four, no figures nines. Hmm. And so, so he's done like everything that's hardest in Europe, like D16, D16 plus and such. And yeah, that was pretty amazing. I mean, he, he was, he was a strong rock climber already. He was, you know, back in the day in early nineties, he already was climbing 14 C-ish. Oh, wow. Okay. No, no, he had the level. I mean, Mm -hmm. his, his, his build is amazing. He's a bodybuilder, but now. So he's exactly my age, mm-hmm. right? And he just my our last conversation a week ago. So I, I asked him like, so how do you train for your dry tooling? Mm-hmm. So like he, he sent me his videos of like, you know, how he trains for because it's purely endurance. You're on, always in a good hold, mm-hmm. right? You just keep the axe. Right. Problem is that you to climb a route V sixteen, D D sixteen, or I mean now he's working on D seventeen. Hmm. Uh, it takes one hour. Can you imagine doing a uh, fifty-meter cave roof of a cave, sitting mm. of a cave, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you, it takes you one hour because basically every two moves you have to rest hmm. because you know you you pull in horizontal positions mm-hmm. and you just rest by hanging on on the hand. So he. <laughs> So like his training is just crazy. I can I can show you the videos as well. Like he, yeah, <laughs> so curious. <laughs> yeah, it's but he he actually told me just recently that he did 160 pull-ups in one push. 160. So without getting back yeah. shaking. Now like you know like I do 10 and I can shake a hand, but I get back on you know that, that hand hanging from goes, a bar from on the bar. Yeah. Yeah, but like no. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what's the world record? 
No idea. <laughs> we should look like, it up. That would be that would be that would be interesting. Might be time yeah. to call Guinness. Yeah, and he does. He also does like one arm pull ups, and uh, he used to actually. He, he actually, I think, he, at some point of life, he actually wanted to repeat uh, action direct. Mm -hmm. So he was training on monos, like you no, know, the same campus campus mm. board, like 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 Wolfgang uh -huh. with monos, and he. Um, so he had this like facility built. I actually he owns a little gym. So he actually trains on that, and but so so that that was and and so I, yeah, and I'm asking like, okay, so that just can you send me your videos and like tell me what you do because like you know I'll be doing dry tooling, so you know I want to do at least a ten this year. Oh, dude, you'll do a ten like no problem. Like all you have to do is like train four times a week for an hour and a half. I'm like four times a week. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? but, but you know, again, maybe that sounds like. Inconceivable right now. Hmm. Uh, four times a week training at that at that age. That's that's a lot. Hmm. But he's like, well, but it's only one hour and a half. And it's in. Of course, I get it. No, it's mainly he actually does pull ups. He does pull ups because you know you pull a lot on DTS climbing. Like mm -hmm. you just grab the axe and pull. Mm -hmm. But holy moly, you know, again, like limits are unknown. Like what we think is crazy may not be, hmm. you know, so, but he found his own niche and, you know, hmm. his, his way to become that ninja, hmm. you know, and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, how do you like it? He's like, dude, I like it. It's like you want for one hour on the climb. That's awesome. Like, this is the best. It's like rock climbing sucks, you know, like it's like you climb only like short, short, you know, 20 minutes. What is it? You know, like one hour on the pitch that's that's and like you really have to push beyond any limit you know hmm. like you 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 think you're falling like you have your hands are opening no you have to stay on and because it's endurance you can push it at hmm. that age hmm. yeah it's, it's interesting <laughs> yeah so he's he, he actually is working on on some some route that he should be the first world's world's first d17 minus wow yeah Wow. Somewhere in Switzerland. Okay. Yeah, there's like this big cave somewhere, you know. So actually, this is the funny thing. So that route that he's working on, he told me, it's an existing route, which is V16 plus DTS. So you do it in a cave from one end to the other. But he but he now does it in the other direction. <laughs> and it's harder because the holes, you know, that you hook uh -huh. with your axe... Are only in one direction so when you climb from the other end the same balls uh-huh but when you climb it from the other end the placements are basically inverted uh -huh. so like he says like you know instead of just going back and like hooking like 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 you no know, pretty naturally mm -hmm. you always go backwards mm. and he's like the the uh forces acting on your elbows and shoulders are just terrible and yeah so he says like yeah you know, everything looks much I mean, everything's harder basically because like everything is inverted uh -huh. so yeah it will be interesting to know to, to hear the news yeah i follow this guy for sure <laughs> yeah well derek i think it's it's i've taken a lot of your time i think no, it's probably it's fine hey time to start wrapping up um yeah. I, I have to ask though what is something that you've been feeling especially grateful for lately Well, it's a, it's a big question, man. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I'm really grateful for living a life without much drama and much trouble, hmm. you know? So, no, life is never easy. Like, you know, it's not never peachy. There's always something or someone and it's challenging. But I mean, I think it's you now, especially since, you know, it's a few days before Thanksgiving. I mean, I'm feeling really grateful to all those years to, to where I am now, you know, that was a fun trip, you know, <laughs> and it was not marked with too much drama, <laughs> you know, like not too much pain. I'm actually pretty amazed. Like I had, I probably never broken any bone in, in me, like not that <laughs> I know of, you know, there was like nothing in my close circle ever. That was like, a, you know, I mean, of course, you know, I lost friends to accidents, to cancer. Uh, you know, my father died a few years ago. So these are like, you no know, negative, you know, something that could affect you. But but also, this is this is the cycle of life. But other than that, you know, living life day to day and, you know, like, oh my gosh, that was another fun day or, or good day. I mean, like something happened, you know. I have many of those days. Many of those days when... I'm actually going to sleep uh, grateful, grateful, you know, like for what happened or what what not happened. Hmm. Yeah. So like, you know, I think, you know, I, I can't complain much about anything. <laughs> yeah. And again, you, you don't have to be the strongest, you know, uh, climber in the world. You don't have to be the smartest uh, person, you know, in the uni other university. You don't have to be the most handsome guy, you know, in the pack. <laughs> you know, doesn't matter, really. You know, it's 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 always fun. Whatever you do, like as long as some criteria are met, which is you now like everybody has to find what what makes what will make you happy. Life is all about you know finding happiness. You know, it's it's, it's amazing. The climbing is one of the of, of those things in mm. life. Like it's just like I I can't comprehend this. I need to do more research. You know, another ten years of life, you know, <laughs> to find like why, why rock climbing? Why I didn't find anything else huh. that would be so fulfilling? That is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's it's a tough science. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like what makes us happy and how to live life. You now, like everybody wants to, you know, know the answer to this and. You probably only know the answer when you die. Like, oh, that was that. <laughs> yeah. I know. You, you don't have to put it in the, in the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool, man. That was really fun talking to you. Yeah. And yeah. Again, likewise. Like I, I really appreciate the work you do with episodes. Thank you. Know, you. Like, like the, that uh, means a lot. I appreciate uh, if, that. If, if you put it up, you know, like, but your episodes are not just interesting not just informative but uh for any climber it's a it's a good university you know it's a free hmm. university with free courses on so many aspects uh you know and again like climbing could be about philosophy of life and and you know having this many episodes in one year this is amazing, you know. Like, I mean, I you you definitely will rub the year with over fifty, 
right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm. But I that think that, I will. that that would be a mine. That would be a big mine for for climbers. Hmm. Yeah, I I definitely appreciate your work and uh, you know, and especially the way you do it. It's it's very casual. It's very uh, like it's normal. Hmm. You know, it's it never feels like it's a high level something. You know. Uh, I think it's listening to your episodes. Like you can, you can really find yourself like being next to the person who ta- who speaks, and uh, you know there is. It's amazing that there is always something new and there is so, something interesting, and that you never heard of. You know, is yeah, I'm telling you, it's in mine. <laughs> you know? I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I really believe that everyone's interesting, and everyone has something to teach us, and. There's a lot of people out there. So. Okay, I have I have to say one more thing. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. So the the the, the only f- the f- sole fact here that we are talking, you know, and we are talking as just two climbers who met climbing, uh, that proves that it works. You know, like basically what climbing should be doing to people, it did to us. Mm. You know, we met at the crag, and we uh, we talked at the f- fire right <laughs> and b- before you actually came to to the f- camp i actually collected all these branches because mm-hmm. i i wanted i badly wanted that campfire actually this was my i think it was the last last night in rifle yeah i believe for so. me yeah and i and i you know i was staying with a friend in a, in a house at first but then i i wanted to have my last night camping mm-hmm. and i wanted the fire and i wanted the stars and this is this is like you know rifle is all about the stars. Just forget climbing, the star, <laughs> the stars, the sky. It's like one of the best skies on the planet. Like the air it's could really be good. so clear. And I mean, you can see everything. I actually learned astronomy because of that. Like I, really? I like the you know, amateur astronaut, astronomer. <laughs> I, I actually learned all the constellations and the stars, and uh, I, I actually yeah, it was was again new field for me. But because of rifle, like I, I was staring at, at the sky and like I wanted to know more. But again, rifle works, and we met through Brent, mm-hmm. and that was a funny story. Brent showed up in rifle, and you know I was basically me being me. I saw a guy who was definitely looking for something. He was wearing a mask. You know we don't we don't we did we no one wears mask masks in rifle, mm-hmm. and he. So he, I knew he was new. He was like, hey, <laughs> can I help you with something? And he was like, yeah, I'm actually looking for such and such, you know, some guy. And and like, well, I'm not really sure. Like, I should know everybody in this canyon, but I don't really know who you're talking about. Like, yeah, the guy from Arizona, he said, in his first name. And, but that was basically doing what a steward of a place should do should be hmm. welcoming to any newcomer, hmm. right? And, you know, and it, it was natural. Like, it's really natural for me. And I want everybody who feels attached to any crag in the world, who listens to these words, to actually be that person. Be welcoming. Be the guy who invites others to your home crag or to, you know, who serves something, who helps. Because that's 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 stewardship that's also you know taking care and responsibility and making the areas better places for everybody and it's funny because like you know brand became a good friend 
then you became a friend, you know, through through all that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to end the story, you know, of course I knew the guy who was looking. He was looking for, you know, after oh, all, funny. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mayor of Rifle. I know everybody, right? <laughs> so, so I just, I just completely kind of first name didn't sound right, but, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah interesting. Like, oh yeah, of course I know this guy. So actually, Brent left. And that guy, his friend Will, showed up and like, oh, Will, there was this guy uh, from California looking for you. And he was like, how do you know? I'm like, well, <laughs> I know everything in this canyon. <laughs> Perfect note to leave, yeah. to leave on. <clears throat> Thanks again, Derek. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a... Super fun. Super fun. Let's do it again soon. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, man. How, how much we talked? How long? That was really long. That was like probably the longest. You, you, you must...